up to the club in my 1964 caddy straight ready to stunt at a quarter to one just a looking for fun I said a twist for me baby hit a rip for me baby take another shot get lit for me baby Ooh, it's a quarter to two what you wanna do Welcome to the 150th episode of Cowboy Ship. My name is Ted Stove, and he is Dustin Edwards, and we are coming to you live from the basement of 4620. My new office is in the basement. As you can see, the background has changed. Got my, uh, what I got over there? Yeah, degree from New Mexico Junior College of Fine Learning. <laughs> An old back number from uh, the Calgary Stampede right behind Dustin's head over there. Um, the two things that have really set you up for success, <laughs> rodeo and, and fine education, fine education from New Mexico. Very good. Very good stuff. Ah, you know what else? What? I, nothing much else has set me up. I just kind of, <laughs> I just, just done her. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I kind of wanted to talk about that because it's the 150th show and we've done a show every other Wednesday since December of 2017. So actually the show has been one of the most consistent things in my life. That's true. <laughs> which which in your world in your life consistency can be difficult when you have the amount of shit going on yeah. that you do. So it's it's a pretty impressive feat because I think in the podcast world and we've seen this in western sports especially in rodeo Podcasts don't stand the test of time due to <laughs> the fact that many. they're inconsistent, right? There's not many. I think I think to have a successful show, and I don't even know if this show is that success successful. I think to me, success is having a show every other week. So yeah, because you probably don't feel like going. doing it some nights, even, like tonight. <laughs> no, what time is it? It's like ten o'clock on a. It's at, it's ten o one p.m. Monday, August twenty first, and I got to be at the airport in about six fucking hours. No, seven hours, and I still got to go to sleep, and I slept like shit last night. And you rolled out of here early this morning. Yeah, we left at seven a.m. Went and set up in uh, Lethbridge. Yeah, and then so yeah, so you're going down there. Yep. Sean's going down there, our editor, and then we got to go to Dallas, and then Matt was with me today, and he's gonna go work the WPCA chuck wagons, the finals. This yeah, the finals in uh at Century Downs. So a busy weekend in the rodeo world and hoping, hoping that, uh, hoping the fires get under control and that yeah. uh, things kind of calm down over BC way so we can go rodeo there next week. Yeah. It's going to be a, uh, a busy run out there because, um, Dave Paulson goes to Langley. Yeah. I go to Mary, you go to Armstrong. Yep. Uh, too. Hoping so to. we're hoping that, uh, everybody's safe out there and yeah, I know but, there's been already been some rough go for some folks, yeah. not much person could do on the control on the fire stuff so we're we're uh sending our best to you over there if you've had any yeah had a rough go um yeah just unfortunate times for for some things right like yeah yeah, yeah. It is what it is what it is unfortunately but uh yeah we're thinking everybody and so going back 150 episodes and mm -hmm. you've probably been asked this numerous times but now that you're through 150 what's been your favorite episode to do Actually, this is the first time I've been asked this question since uh, we've done 150 shows now. <laughs> okay. uh, but thanks. <laughs> uh, fun, most fun show? Um, well, there's a couple different answers here. Like, the probably the coolest interviews. Uh, we beat Joe Rogan to Coulter Wall. Yeah. That was really cool. 
Thanks to thanks to Brad for making that one happen. <laughs> uh Larry the Cable Guy. I think we're still one of the only guys yeah. to have Larry on a on a podcast. That was, that was unreal cool. Uh but he's been on Flint show of obviously uh for like for the live show in Vegas, right? So so he was there and I went and met him this last year. I loved it. It was so cool. Uh Ron McLean, having him on the show. That was I, a great epi. That was so neat. You know, it ended up being a two part thing. I wish we could have had more time with a guy like Larry. Uh would have been really neat, but um man enjoy all the chats with uh with Corb on here a few different times and and it's kind of funny some of the ones that are like I are a bit of sleepers sometimes have some of the mo- most like have some of the biggest downloads like our best one so far download wise was has been JB Mooney to date um and I thought the show we did with JB was really unique compared to what people had talked to him about before you know we we ended up talking about to him and he talked about buying horses and stuff with cash yeah figured out he was a cash guy it was like kind of like something kind of random uh to talk to him about but it was yeah it was really neat um having flint on he's been really cool uh one another couple that stand out are the mindsets of those elite champions talking to uh you know talking to kendall pearson she's like 20 well she was like 18 years old yeah and won the national high school finals but like has a different mindset yeah. Somebody else recently, I forget. Oh, Bo Cooper. Yeah, another like one. just the, the mindsets of those people. Like I, I. Uh, so we've been watching Ted Lasso the last little while, <laughs> and there's a whole clip about him, and he's uh, playing darts with the billionaire ex-husband of the team owner, and he's playing darts, and he has this whole speech about being curious, and I think that, I think that I'm just like I'm not trying to say I'm like the guy in, like like Ted in the show but my name is Ted <laughs> so it does fit and i'm also curious but i i just think you're uh, a very curious ted yeah is. yeah so I, I don't know i'm just i enjoy talking to the, the folks every couple of weeks and but i think being curious is the key to a good podcast because i see like oftentimes you can write out questions that anyone could ask people true and then it's what you do with the answer or where you go with their answer that's important and I would say the growth that you've had since you started doing this, your curiosity level and human interest level and how you get things from people has evolved in a really good way. Hopefully. Thus in turn, making your interviews better. Hopefully. And I still feel like I'm nervous and I can't get where I want to go sometimes. But sometimes when I'm you don't know where you want to go, sometimes you go places you didn't think you'd go on a podcast. True. And I've noticed that sometimes. Sometimes all of a sudden you get a nugget out of somebody. Oh yeah. Because you didn't mean to, if that makes sense. Well, some of my strategy on the show, honestly, <laughs> is that it's not about me. It, when I watch people on TV, like I watched Jimmy Fallon for quite a while and I watched like some of those different interviewers like, like, like a guy like Ron McLean or um, Scott Oaks really st- stands out in the, on that side of things. And then um, who else would I say? I don't know. I don't know who to talk about on the rodeo side. And I'm not trying to be rude on some of it, but like, but one of the one of the people that I think does it really well is Flint, and I don't think he get a, gets a lot of credit for it. But for Flint, it's not about Flint; it's about the person. And for me, and and what I've seen with with a guy like Ron McLean and whoever else, like Ron is extremely curious, and it's not about him. He's made a living out of being the most curious guy in the room, and he knows the stuff. But it's not about Ron. It's not like he's like, yeah, I used to play hockey, and I used to do this, and I used yeah. to, you know, it, and then. Tell me about your experience. Let's know, like, it has nothing to fucking do with Ron. It has everything to do with the person that we're talking to. And I'm the 
I'm the extractor of the story. I'm I'm not the like, oh, come look at me. I'm a fucking yeah. good interviewer. But you I don't give the... a shit. I just want to know about them. And I I might make a impact based on being the guy that interviews all these people and gets the story out of them. But I'm not, I don't see myself as this fancy fucking personality of some sort. Like I'm just trying to get the story and I try, I'm just showing up every time and asking the questions. And that's how you got to be. And I, and I, and you said that you didn't know a lot of examples in rodeo. I think sometimes in rodeo we're, we're, we're kind of bad for that. Like I'll see people do an interview with somebody just did something great. And it's like, I remember that time we were at the rodeo yeah. five years ago and you were 3.2 and remember that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like they want to make themselves part of this story. Like, yeah. And and it's it's I don't know if it's egotistical or I don't know what the word is, but but good interviewers. It's not about them. Not it's not about them. No, yeah. not even a little bit. I think like someone like Dave's really good at like I was gonna Dave say that Paulson, Dave he Paulson, would be the 100%. example of someone who can turn a moment or something and pull something cool from that yeah. and get a good story out of it. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, and it's not easy to do that, but sometimes you got to get out of your own way. Hundred percent, because yeah. I think I think some people that have you know might have trouble with interviews and like I've never really ever talked about this pub like probably publicly, but like people are some people are too in their own head to properly do an interview because they try mm-hmm. to think about they might think they have to do that or one thing that irks me in interviews is people that have to reply and like oh yeah that's great like cool like I don't think a person has to acknowledge the answer I'm acknowledging your answer by asking you my next question based on what that answer was. Yeah, I was listening to you. And a really good interviewer does a really good job of that. Well, I'm not. I'm picking not like, up something from the answer to segue to the next thing. Yeah, it's not like I have all this stuff in my in my head, and I'm like, okay, I got to do this, this, and this, and I got to ask that. And I'm like, no, fucking listen to the person, and do my best to do a little bit of homework beforehand, so I don't have to ask them a question that I could have figured out if I would have fucking done some homework. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a it's a good point. And, Anyways, and in the podcast world. And you know what? Like, I think of, I haven't done a ton of podcasts with you, but you know, you've got your, you've had points. I remember with Bo Cooper specifically had all these notes and little points and we had, uh, someone I else didn't have too. much though. There was, there was one, maybe Ross Bo Cooper had a lot. You, you knew Ross better than, or you knew Bo better than me. I, yeah. I, I, don't, I didn't really know Bo, but I knew, I knew some of the stats and knew some of the info, but that's what I find it, on him. At but... the end of it, sometimes you go through an hour and a half and you're like, geez, you didn't have to use that because no there were so many things that kept pulling the interview well, in the right direction. So great. Yeah. A lot of the, a lot of the homework is like the basics to start the conversation and build the report to kind of get something going. And, you know, for a guy like Bo, I didn't know him at all. You had the instant connection because you guys yeah. have known, known each other for years. Like I, I don't think we ever shook the kid's hand unless it was giving him a buckle at CFR that I kind of forgot about. Like I yeah. just don't remember now, but yeah. Um, anyway, sorry. No, I mean it's cool. It's you're at 150. It's cool to talk about the, the, the back end of it and what got you here. And I think, uh, you know, again, 150 episodes. I know the podcast world isn't like a, it's not a new thing anymore, but it is relatively new. Like that's a pretty big achievement. Like there's a lot that have come and gone. More that have come Fair. and gone that have made it to 150. Fair. Unless you're sitting in your parents' basement banging them out every couple of days. <laughs> I but, don't know. I don't know. But. I haven't paid enough attention for everybody else doing. I'm just showing up and doing not doing this. And yeah, here we are 150 in. So uh, we had a pretty fun show this week. Um, Dustin, I'm sorry. We ended up having two other announcers on the show. So yeah, had, you to, ended up had to partake. To, you had to jump on another, another thing. So. so, but I'm, I'm excited to, uh, I'm excited to, you know, get through this and have a lesson on their opinions. Cause 
it's such an interesting topic, which is who is the greatest bull rider yeah. of all time. And it's something that I don't think, well, listen to the show and I'll talk with you again after, but yeah, I have a tough time defining this. <laughs> it's very subjective at times to decide who's the greatest at what, when it's different associations, different, different eras, eras, different bulls. Um, it's like talking to old old timers who watch hockey and they're like, Bobby Orr is the greatest player ever. Oh yeah. You've never seen him play, but he's the great. Just take my word for it. Take my word for it. He was, <laughs> he was the best. He was so good. He was so good. And it's like, okay. Yeah. We get passionate about what we're part of. You know what I mean? Oh like, yeah. hundred percent. And, and uh, some of it's recency bias. Like a lot of folks would say JB Mooney's the greatest player out of all time. A lot of folks would think it was Lane Frost. Cause he is the person that's most well known. Yeah. But I, but he's not the best bull rider ever. But I remember when I was a kid, like not knowing what like stats yeah, meant. That was him because the movie was like, oh, Lane Frost is the greatest bull rider ever. Yeah, for sure. Whenever you nodded when you were on the bucking bull or the bucking barrel, yeah, you were Lane Frost. Exactly. But but I mean, uh, I think that uh, bull riding has seen like a huge shift in the last couple of years with like the athleticism. Well, in the last the business, the bulls. Yeah, the last uh, twenty five years, honestly. But anyways, we talk about it lots in the yeah. show. Um, it's a cool subject. Thanks and then, for tuning in this week. And then we challenge everyone after to tell us their yeah their exactly. list. Tell Love to hear list. it. Um, but Dustin, we got a couple shows. You're going to uh, like you said, you're going to Lethbridge this weekend. Yep. Um, we're going to go to Dallas in the morning. We're l- releasing a new line that you'll see. Uh, Cowboyshit.ca. We'll have all those items for the public in the next probably the next month or and so. They're they're awesome. There's some really cool stuff. They're there. already hitting some stores. We just dropped off uh, a set of stuff at Western Stockman in Lethbridge. Um, they've already got the new stuff. Uh, Lacey's been with us since day one. So I always make sure to give her a shout early on and, uh, and get her some new stuff. So yeah, delivered it today, but, uh, yeah, going to Dallas in the morning to do that and have a fun time in Lethbridge. Yeah. It's going to be good, man. Easy on my speakers down there. We will be. We got Dave and Sean Morton and Kino. We got the crew down there. It's going to be a, going to be a good one. Enjoy. All right. Well, we are, we are back with the, uh, with the. 150th episode. Thanks for everybody for listening, joining in. Um, appreciate it a lot. Thanks for thanks for sticking around. We'll uh, we'll enjoy enjoy the bulk of 150. Welcome to the main feature of the 150th episode of Cowboy Shit. Uh, once again, we are joined here by, I don't know, I didn't know how to make this intro because uh, he's been on the show numerous times, but uh, many time guests, and I'm just going to say first ballot Hall of Famer for any <laughs> Hall of Fame in the Western sports world, Mr. Flint Rasmussen, and and new to the show for the first time, but we're I'm excited about it and, and glad to have him here. He's 17 times, he's worked the PBR World Finals, and also now the new team series with the professional bull riders as well. Welcome to the show, Mr. Clint Atkins. Thank you both for joining us this morning. Dustin Edwards is on his way to the Saddle Dome, going to work this morning. So we're, uh, yeah, it's, it's a coffee podcast. But thanks everybody for getting there all together. Yeah, I uh, I don't know what this is going to look like on the final version, but as we do this, I feel like I'm in the Brady Bunch. Like, hey, Clint, down there. <laughs> hey, Ted. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, well, I'm jealous of your shirt. 
Make mine? Yeah. Wait, so Ted's got his cowboy shit, Shine Frontier Days, and I got the world needs more cowboy shit. Yeah, I know. I'm in this. Ted, come on. 150th hey, well episode. Done. 150th well episode, right? You got to give it. Got to give a little shout out, and even though I you're the host, but I still have the nicest set. I think you that's do. awesome. You so, do. Yeah. It's, a, it's yeah. an honor to have you on the show. <laughs> We're still running out of the basement, but you know, it's all right. Ah, but Clint, um, send me your address. I'll, uh, I'll get you fixed up. Chris oh. will be at the warehouse tomorrow. <laughs> oh, uh, so you guys, before we get going here, you guys were just in, uh, Anaheim, uh, PBR team series is we're in the second half of the se- season and now it's a team series. Uh, just give us a little rundown on how that's gone so far. I saw you guys in Cheyenne, had a good visit, saw my first, uh, saw the team series events for the first time with my own eyes. Uh, I, I thought, I think it's a neat concept. I think, uh, could, it could change a lot of things. I don't know how, I don't know. I, I hope it's going well, you know, in, in, at the events, but, uh, but how's it going for you guys so far? How's it been? Go ahead, Clint. Um, you know, Ted, I I have to tell you, I'm I'm intrigued by after going through the process from start to finish on this, there there is some very serious legs and to this and and there's a lot of different things to discuss when you're breaking this down from my perspective. And I but I think you hit something very important. This thing has potential to solve a lot of problems uh, when you look at this from, from the inside of the hurricane, I guess. When you look at the problems that Western sports um, is having to deal with, uh, you know, when you look at the culture in the United States, when we talk about bull riding and where bull riders are coming from, um, this has the potential – to help with that process. Um, it, 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 it also fixes one other problem. If you're a home fan, if like, if you're in Austin or Kansas city or Nashville or Oklahoma or something along that, this gives a new dynamic for the fan to divest or invest some equity of their time and their emotions into bull riding that has never been there before and i am seeing that manifest itself just through the home crowd experience that we've had and now now this is the second year and our live show is totally different from what it was a year ago but if kansas city is any sample of what (laughs) we're going to see going forward from a fan's perspective um, and the league's got a long ways to go. There's a lot of left and right turns that we're going to take. And as we, me- it's kind of like, I, you know, we're meandering through a forest, you know, trying to get out of it and, 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 and who knows which, which routes we're going to, we're going to take. And, and so there's a lot to this. And, and I think that it has a uh, potential to to really be a game changer when it comes to the sport, not only from the fans' perspective, from the bull riding's perspective, from the sponsorship side of this, uh, from the uh, you know the monetary uh, <clears throat> uh, oh what's what's the word I'm looking for uh, responsibility side of it. It brings more people, uh, you know, executives and more businessmen and women into the game. 
uh, that, that didn't have a say in it before. And so, you know, I think when you look at it from a 35,000 feet perspective, there's, there's so many different things that this thing could, could, uh, could really take care of a lot of big issues that we're seeing, because listen, just real quick and not to really drill down on this, but listen, you, you gotta be like living under a rock to not understand that marketing is changing also. And the way that sponsors are spending their dollars is changing. And so that also has an effect on a lot of things. So uh, there's yeah. a lot of tentacles of this. And, 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 and I think that there truly is something that is really cool coming out of it. And I know that I've seen it from some, from a bull rider perspective this summer, going mm -hmm. to some of the summer events, you're seeing some young men that I hadn't seen before, and I would talk to them and go, and, and they all go, yeah, I'm, you know, man, I'm really hitting it hard. I want to be a part of the team's deal. And I think that's, I think yeah. there's something to that, man. Let me, let me expand a little on real quick on what Clint said, uh, how it's changing some things. Let me throw this out. Like we, we can tour around in our, our regular season where we crown a world champion, like last spring and winter, we had record crowds everywhere. Like there's big crowds. So people say, well, we got huge crowds. This team's deal. Why, why do you need this? Well, we're in a city. <clears throat> people in, I'll pick a city. People in Manchester, New Hampshire, we sell that place out both days. And they go crazy, but they walk away and they may never look on their phone or on their TV the rest of the year and know one thing about bull riding going on, except for those two days in their city, you know, and that's fine. And that's what we as rodeo people and bull riding people have lived off of our whole life. So if we want to just do that, we're okay. What this does is per perhaps this weekend in Nashville, Kansas city was a great example. Now this week we go to Nashville as we record this, those people in Nashville are like, wait, this is our freaking team. What well, is the stampede? And they cheer. And maybe there's just a few of them. Maybe there are just a few of them that when they walk out, they go, they go on Instagram and go, Oh, Nashville stampede. And they follow them their team on Facebook and they follow them. So every day they get up and they drink their coffee and they scroll through their phone and go, Hey, uh, Betty or Sybil, whatever those Nashville stampede. They go to Austin this week, man, that man, they won a game. That's it. Maybe that little. And so it gets now good old rodeo and bull riding fans. Well, I don't like this shit. Even cheering for each other and high five. And well, that's okay. Wait till November. And we'll start another season here really quick though. There was a guy I sat, I met the NFR last year and there's an old guy and I, I, I can picture him and Clint would know him if he saw him. He's a good friend of Chad burgers, good buddy. And can't remember. And his seat was right beside mine. He had a single ticket in there. So he starts first thing people have, what do you think of this team's thing? And the first thing I want to say is why do you give a shit what I think? Like, does that influence you? I said, oh, that's right. He said, I don't like it. Well, thanks for asking me. He just wanted to vent. He <laughs> go, I don't like it. I don't like all that high-fiving and throwing hat bullshit, and blah, blah, blah. No kidding. That day, that night at the NFR, we were right behind the shoots. All you had to look down when every Wright brother rode, all the other Wright brothers were gathered around him cheering, just like yeah. the teams do. It's the yeah. same thing. So anyway. I just expand off what Clint said. It's a different level and the PBR is about to put a whole bunch of money into player development stuff as well. So they can expand teams so that we're, we're, uh, we're developing these young guys to teach them how to ride, teach them how to do it right and, and make them better. So that's a big, 
people miss that about the PBR. PBR might do things that people don't like, but there's a lot of development of young guys going on there, right, Clint? It's yeah. And listen, let me let me let me go just a little bit further. This is not so well. We just want to be new and we want to be cutting edge. I think when you really peel the onion back, Ted, what you're going to find is this is addressing systemic issues that the C-suite executives see five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years down the road. And I mean, uh, you know, we could talk all day long, like, like this summer, I saw some of the greatest professional rodeo that I've ever watched. Like, you know, I watched Deadwood, South Dakota on Thursday night, one of the greatest circuit pro rodeos that I have ever seen just like in, in, in one night. And, 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 and we can talk about where, you know, the Western sport athletes, cowboys and cowgirls are coming from in pro rodeo. And then we talk about bull riding and look at the numbers and, 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 and the culture in the United States. And, you know, just like I mentioned, the marketing dollars are changing. Uh, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to create a solid, consistent fan base with which Flint hit on, you know, and, and so these are, these are reactions from forward looking issues that are, that are coming. And, uh, so I, I think that's another way to look at it. I think the status quo, if we, if we didn't, if the league didn't decide to go and do this there, they knew and know that they are running down a road that is 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 going to be very hard to maintain if you had nothing but let's say just Brazilian bull riders. If you had no Canadian bull riders, no Australian bull riders, no American bull riders, and uh, I mean, listen, we're 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 not doing anything. The country isn't doing anything to foster the Western lifestyle, and 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 so, you know, these are this is not just a to be the new kid in town and do something new and, you know, a brand new shiny car or whatever it is. I, I think this is a reaction to where we are today and where they want to take the sport. And yeah, I true. think that's why the PBR teams was created. <clears throat> it make, makes a lot of sense. Even, even the, like the NHL national hockey league, we, the, there's mostly Canadians on the teams, but the Colorado avalanche or the Dallas stars, the, the hometown crowd cheers for them because that's their team. It doesn't matter that it's a it team of Canadians, from. but right, you know, exactly. right. But it's a whole, right. It's it, a it's that that team in that market. And that's it. it, it yeah, Clint, I I want to, and then we'll kind of get to this, but I yeah. I want to expand on. You bring up a really good point on something, and Ted, and the reason it stood out what you just said is Ted can relate being in Canada. Um, you know, there's some stuff going through the Montana legislature right now to make rodeo the official sport of Montana and things. So there's local things. But do you think our federal government and the people on the East Coast or Ted, especially your federal government, whatever you call it, gives a rat's ass about the Western lifestyle that much? They not only they think the Western lifestyle has zero effect on it. They I mean, that includes ranching farming they don't get it and they, if it disappeared it wouldn't matter to them until it disappeared and then they'd go oh shit what the hell have we done so somebody it's like the old thing raising your kids if we don't raise our kids and teach them about ranching and the western lifestyle that's one generation from our family we lose so we yeah. got to do that the, the country's the same way they don't i mean it's a it's a battle for us and 
rural America and not just rodeo, but just the ranching, any kind of Western lifestyle. It's a battle right now to stay alive, to keep it going. So if this is one way, like Clint said, if this is one way to do that and foster new riders and new fans, then I guess it helps. So there you go. So when everybody starts going, you know, I get messages. Uh, listen, Pete, I get a message from a guy the other day and it's long. Flint, maybe you'll answer me. I've emailed the PBR like 10 times and they won't respond. <laughs> and I told him, I told him I'm pissed about this team shit and I'm not watching again uh, until they get rid of it. Why won't they respond? Maybe you will. And I responded with, what is their response supposed to be? Like you just custom, you're taking the time 10 times out of your day to send them a message, but you won't turn on your freaking TV and watch Boulder. I said, you're missing out. I said, here, I'm answering you. I don't know what you want. Like, I mean, it's just, it just baffles the shit out of me. Like, you know, somebody takes the time out of their day to comment on, the Montana state Bobcat football team, they suck. And I, but here you are, you know, you took, Hey, do you, hey, do you, do you have that? Do you have that guy's email address? I, it was a direct message, but I still have it. Yeah. Oh, I, but okay. I told him, hey. I told him I have a lot of shit in my life that yeah. causes me more stress than bull riding on TV. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speak, speaking to comments, Flint, I had this one from our editor. Uh, Sean Morton, just going on on the other side of things, just to mess around. But uh, but uh, Sean was wondering. He said, uh, "Was it strange that uh, the PBR CEO announced your retirement before you did? Was that was that a okay?" A so a... <laughs> I wasn't gonna say any. It was not. It was never gonna come from me. It was gonna come from the organization. Like okay. I, okay. I, that was the plan. I owed it to the PBR. I mean, I worked for the PBR. That's where I've been the last years. It needed to be an official news release that that was completely, I informed them. They, they typed up a, a press release, sent it to me to read and approve. I made a couple little things. That's not right. Da, da, da. And then it was going to come out at 8 AM on a Thursday, a Thursday morning. Sean just had to put his own post out the night before in his word. <laughs> I just wanted to get ahead of it a little bit. I'm like, Sean, come on, man, <laughs> Mr. Gleason, the commissioner or the CEO. Like, so he, he came out before the press release and I shook my head at him, but what can I say? He's signs our checks. Kind He's of. the boss. Yeah. But, but that was never, I had several people say that should come from you. Um, Usually like in pro sports and stuff, it comes from the organization, like the team or the NFL has announced yeah. that was the way to do it. I didn't want to. And plus I didn't want to be, Hey everybody, I've decided to call it quits. What do I do? Do I smile? Do I put a fake tear? Do I, you know, so I just needed it to come from a source and PBR has more people that follow them than I do. That was the plan. But Sean did beat it by about 12 hours. And somebody texted and said, oh, my gosh, Sean Gleason's post. I didn't know you were retiring. I went, what the what? What? Oh, no. And oh, I no. went on and went, you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't mad. It just, yeah. It no, it's just like, oh, anyway. dang it. Um, dang, my, okay. I didn't know. Like, I, we, you know, we call that. It, like at the NFR, um, 
They always had this thing. We call it the, uh, the Sonny Linger statue. Sonny Linger was the, like the shoot boss or the, the rough stock guy forever. And they got him in front of the shoots and thanked him for all his years of service and gave him a statue. And he didn't know he was quitting. Like, oh, it was no. like, <laughs> like, what? 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 So, yeah. Wait, what? So, so things are going good from the, on the broadcast though. And you're enjoying the, the next piece. That's kind of the wrap that yeah. up. As yeah. long as, uh, yeah. As long as people never again, ever say, do you like TV better than being in the arena? It's like, I did that for 30 years. You think all of a sudden <laughs> three weeks into Nothing uh, like, like I said, I said this on my little broadcast the other day. Um, if you ask an NFL football player, one season removed from being playing at the highest level of his profession. And he goes into the, the booth the, and you say, Oh my God, do you like commentating better than you did playing football? He'll punch you in the face. Like, that's right. That's dumb, <laughs> you know? So no, I don't like it better, but don't put me in. When I say, no, I don't like it better than people are like, Oh, geez, you don't like it, huh? No, I like it. I don't like it better. Yeah. Like, my knees don't hurt as bad. So yeah. I miss you. I know, I Clint. You. Clint, I'm right below where he's announcing from, and I, I got my IFBs, and he goes, hey! <laughs> he yelled at me, and I pulled my ear out. He goes, get your ass out there. Just get out there. <laughs> <laughs> he's yelling at me. Well, okay, uh, one more one more thing, though. Who the heck, uh, like, there's a shortage of entertainers in our business Every, everywhere i i think um like brinson comes to our shows from florida because we don't have very many people in this business that are doing that like what he's, number one what's the issue what's the what's going on and who are the next people that are going to do this he's coming to nashville brinson. oh he is yeah right yeah, it, well, well ted uh, here 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 we go again <laughs> i mean this ought to be the well ted this ought to be one of the <laughs> ultimate qualifiers that something's broken like that we have a problem, you know, I'm not going to go back and relitigate what I said a little while ago about yeah. why I believe that the teams was created, but you know, you just, you know, you just, well, when you guys on the table, a question and, and there's gotta be a reason for that. If 30 years ago, there wasn't a problem with that. And you had a lot of, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, heck, go back to those days, Leon coffee, quail Dobbs, da, 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 da. I could just go on and on and on. Well, the reason, and you can't lay the the blame of this all at the feet of Flint. He was just doing his job, and he re redefined a whole genre. Oh yeah, of how you do something that that I, I would assume that he probably took about you know half the the eligible candidates that said you know I think I might want to go do that. And then they see Flint, and they go up. Oh, well, probably not. And <laughs> but that's not Flint's fault. And True. so, you know, you got to ask yourself, well, why, why is that? And, and there's got to be a really good reason behind it. And, uh, I know that I miss Flint in the arena because what we're doing is it's so it's heavy. Like bull riding is heavy. When you look at it from a psychological standpoint, from a fan standpoint, you know, you ask yourself the question of, and I'm I'm getting to Flint here. I'm not going to go too far down this rabbit hole, but uh, <laughs> down that rabbit hole, player. I know, I know. That rabbit hole. <laughs> I know, but 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 you know, you ask yourself a question from a fan's perspective when they buy. Why do they buy a ticket? You know, to come watch what and 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 really emotionally why why they do it. And it's a heavy sport to watch, and it's fun to watch, and it's exciting, but it's also heavy in reality. Mm -hmm. 
And and so you need a little bit of that relief to pull you out. And Flint was just so good at his job that he had the ability, just like watching a tennis tournament, go back and forth. And we needed a little bit of that levity just to smooth out the seriousness of, of what we're yeah. watching. And I do feel that right now, Flint. I feel that in the arena, and I don't know how to deal with that because I'm not funny. Let's just get that what? you know, out of – Oh, come on. Don't even start that. <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, so Brinson's coming to a few of them, Ted and, yeah. and, uh, the team's saying he fits pretty well because it doesn't take a lot of, uh, talking and that. And I think people didn't see that in my career. It wasn't all vocal. It was visual. Action. It was, it was engaging, just engage. Look the people in the freaking eye, you know? Yeah. And Brinson fits the team's deal because it doesn't take, there's different timing to those team shows than than normal. But even there's different uh, part of the deal with PBR is, you know, when I announced I was done in the dirt, it was kind of entertaining, but kind of irritating where people, well, I hear Justin Rumford told them no, and it's going to be John Harrison. They're picking all these rodeo guys who were great rodeo clowns, but all the years that, that I did the unleash the beast or build Ford tough series, I kind of developed what that character and what the role of that position was. So to just take a guy and think you can throw him out there. Oh, he's a good rodeo clown. Go ahead. And those guys are great. It's a different game. Like, so it's almost like the PBR has to kind of reevaluate and go, okay, which person can handle what we're doing and fit in. And uh, we're bringing up Brinson because he's when available, he's doing some this fall, but, you know, Matt Merritt has done a lot of the velocity tours. So he's got that TV commercial structure. What are we selling down in his head? It's not a plug in and go rodeos do it every year. They'll have Justin Rumford one year, John Harrison one year, and then they'll get JJ Harrison one year and they plug him in. Cause you're just in and out. Mm-hmm. This is it's different. It's a different oh, yeah. game. Yeah. Entertainment wise it is, but you know what I think? I think there's a shortage of a lot of guys because I think they want the life, but they don't want the grind of looking <laughs> yeah. those people in the eye and going. Yep. Yep. And when I stepped in that arena, I looked at those people and went, all right, what am I, what have I been dealt today? What can I do? I wasn't thinking about getting back to the trailer and having everybody gather around and we'll start a fire and play the guitar. I don't give a shit. I didn't give a shit about it. No. I, anyway, there you go. I can, anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> one thing, one thing you guys have mentioned is the development of the bull riders. And I, I've said it before that I think the development and the investment dollar wise was really lacking and has been lacking on the development of the bull riders over the last probably 15, 20 years where the bulls, all the money's been on the bull side the last 20 years. So I'm, I'm glad to see that. I'm glad to hear that that's in the work. So I just want to put that in before we get into our talk, we're already half an hour in here and we haven't even got to the topic yet, but I, I, we, <laughs> had to, we had to get to a few things, but I talked to you guys last week and I said for 150th show, I'd love to have you guys on because, and, and have the conversation about the greatest bull riders of all time because, and I asked you guys, because I think that both of you, there aren't likely many other people that have seen these guys ride most of these bulls over the last, you know, 15, 20, kind of 20, kind of 20 years. Right. So I don't, I don't know if there's anybody that that has, like I would say Jerome uh, Robinson did before he passed away. He'd probably seen more than you guys, but you had Oof. been at all these events for the last, you know, 
He would have yeah. been a guy that had seen all these guys ride, and he would have been able to tell us. <clears throat> Jerome Robin, right? yeah, that Jerome right. Robinson knew, knew more about bull riding than you know. Yeah. I always hear this guy knows more about bull riding. Hey, man, I know. Well, I do. I know another guy, Jerome yeah. Robinson, yeah. and yeah. Uh, I've discovered being kind of I'm in a position on TV behind the shoots where. And I think they kind of wanted my role to be, you know, me and Luke Branquino, where we say, hey, coach, what just happened there? Let's get a word. Flint's down there with such and such. I don't enjoy that as much. I, what I'm catching myself doing is watching a guy get ready in the shoot going. He's dicking around in there or he didn't. He knew that bull was going to do this. I've discovered I I do know bull riding. The problem is I don't think people look at me that I have that sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, you're supposed to be the funny guy, not the actual. Yeah. What does he know? Well, I've had (laughs) people say, you can talk about bull run. You, why you I've watched a lot of bull riding. So I do feel like that. And Clint's the same way. Our jobs, all these years, we're watching everything. Like you got to pay attention and by assimilation, you kind of can pick apart a ride see what somebody's doing. And Clint's an old twister himself, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, but never, never on that level. But yeah, I hear you. Uh, yeah. You know, I've been, I mean, I've always said I've been extremely fortunate to, to have watched the best bull riders in the world for so long. So uh, I can, I, you know, I, I, I tell, I had this conversation with Cord McCoy last week. It's like, I, I know when there's a problem, like I technically can see that there's a problem with somebody because I've watched them day, you know, week in and week out on the best bulls in the world. My, my biggest issue is, is those very, very small, minute problems. I don't know how to fix. Like Hmm. there's, there's, there's a couple of things that I go, Ooh, I wonder how you fix that. I'm not waiting. That's just my life. Like that's life in general. Like, man, I know there's a problem, but I don't know how to fix it. Yeah. I don't know how to fix it. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the question, the question today though that we're posing is, is the greatest bull rider of all time, and it's not an easy one to, to, uh, to answer. But I are think we doing the greatest one of all time, or are like ten no, best? top ten? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Greatest ever. Yeah. Top ten. Do so, they got to be in order? Do they? I, I kind of wanted to get them in order. I would like to. I know it's not going to be easy, but that was that's the intention. But that, that, that's what I want to try and do. It's I know, but you're shaking your head because it's hard. But it's hard. I made this I made this list, and we've done a few before. Like I was saying before we got started, and all the ones that I did previously, it was it seemed like the order was pretty proper. It, it seemed like it was right. But this one I'm struggling with because I put all this data together, and now I feel like I'm co- completely wrong. So I don't know. <laughs> I There's don't know. so many. But Ted, we were talking before we started recording, and I we saved some of our comments. Here's Here's the issue with bull riding. There's, there's just so much of it. Like you can look at bareback riders and bronc riders, and really there's one outlet for the last however many yeah. years, and that's professional Ever. rodeo. If you can get statistics, you can you can get that data. Then you it gives you a pretty good. I mean, we could sit here and go through the the best bronc riders in the world, and and it's pretty straightforward. The problem with bull riding is there is now different outlets. You have the PRCA and you have the PBR. You got guys that did both early mm-hmm. on. They all did both. Then there's, you know, people, that, it's a hard thing to track. We don't have statistics from the older guys like we do to the younger guys. I mean, every out they take in the PBR, they record the bull, they record the guy. 
there's so much that it is hard. How does this guy compare? Okay. Uh, you know, Sage Kimsey has won all those world titles, but he never rode in the PBR. So does that put him on what level, a better level, a worse level? It's hard. It, it's, they're just a lot. And, and take, listen, Ted, if you'd asked me this question in 1975, it would be different than what it was in 1985, 1995, oh, yeah. 2005. So, man, we can attack this from so many different <laughs> angles, you know, and if you want to get down to, 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 to 10, I, man, I feel good at getting down to 10 of them, and I see no problem with the 10 that I have, you know, of the, the, the 10 bull riders that I've seen on the list, and of course – of the list that you put together that would exactly have been the 10 but i believe that we need to expand on that conversation because there's so many different qualifiers and I, i've said this on the another podcast here a couple of weeks ago without without freckles brown larry mahan some of these greats in that genre would would there have been a don gay Without Don Gay, would there have been a J.W. Harris? Would there have been a Sage Kimsey? How much influence? We know how much influence that that Freckles Brown had in that Tim friendship shoulders. with Lane Frost. Well, no, well Fre Freckles and in, in Lane Frost, yeah, they had a they had a great relationship, and you know, look what look what Lane's career did for 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 rodeo and bull riding and and. Uh, you know, we could talk well, about J.B. Mooney, it, it, and I, well, I got somewhere to go with him too. So it's that whole generational thing. Listen, the yeah. basketball basketball's been through this. Bob Cousy, yeah. Bob Cousy, old black and white film. Bob Cousy was one of the greatest point guards of all time, playing for the Boston Celtics. That some bitch couldn't shine Steph Curry's shoes right now in a la athletic ability, and yep. it's the same. In his time, he yep. was that. So he was good. But when you're judging who are great players, is he or isn't he? Now, in basketball, I tend to say Wilt Chamberlain is one of the top five basketball players of all time. Well, what would he do now? Well, he'd be really tough, but I, I tend to give him credit basketball more than I do in rodeo because I think there's a mark, marked difference in the, the, the we have a factor they don't have in other sports, and that's livestock because the guys – the livestock they are getting on at every level now from bareback horses to saddle brown horses to bulls is at a so much higher level, no matter what the old farts say, it's a yep. different level. So that factor comes into me when I say who's the greatest. Yes. Freckles Brown, Larry Mahan, they were some of the greatest Larry Mahan. I mean, he was a game changer in everything marketing superstar. That doesn't mean he was one of the greatest bull riders of all time, right. but I, I give them that credit, but I think it's a little different scale. Anyway. I, I'm, I'm so, I don't know what to do now. I feel like. Should we, what? Should, should we just say, should we just say the greatest bull rider of all time is Canadian Cody Snyder and call it good. Ted. Is That's that what you're getting at? <laughs> Sorry, Cody, but no. <laughs> you, he, Cody was Cody was a bit. I think Cody was a bit sad when when we had Daryl Mills number one. We had we had we talked to him about it quite a bit because because if you look at all the different things that Cody's done since, and no offense to Daryl, Daryl has put on he put on an event for a couple of years and he's got his kids in the high school rodeo ranks now and whatnot. But like if you 
counted everything Cody has done outside the arena, Cody is absolutely number one on our list of the best bull riders, the greatest bull riders ever from Canada. Like, absolutely number one. But I couldn't quantify that part of the... Of the, I, I couldn't quantify that, so I couldn't I couldn't justify he's, it at the time, right? But but absolutely such a, number one. He's such a great story, Cody Snyder. Oh man, and, you know, and leaving can, home, he's 16, 17 years old, and goes to Texas, and so neat. that guy is amazing. And injury, he had a bad wrist, you know, that cost him yeah. years. And anyway, For, all, yeah. the, everybody's got one of those. Yeah. Oh yeah. Anyway, but, so okay, anyway. how are we? How are we starting this? What are we doing? Are we each giving our list or? What, what what come on Ted you're the host you tell me <laughs> um okay so so what I've done previous is I, I've put point total like point uh I've made up a point system that has sorted them out previously but now that we have two different organizations and we have I don't know I have like probably ten thousand points uh for, in this ten man list so I so what I what I had done is like is previously I'd given a hundred points for a for a PRCA world championship um, on this list that I have drafted right now, I gave the PBR more points because I thought that that, that made the list look more reasonable from what I thought it should be. Uh, I gave NFR qualifications points, PBR world fo- qualifications points, uh, PBR uh, uh, finals wins and NFR aggregate uh, titles points as well. So this kind of like objectively sorted where things, you know, could be, uh, and then I added a bunch of data on the career average score from Slate at Pro Bowl Stats, career high score and career riding percentage, as well as total records. So it kind of gave me a bunch of data points to use. And my intention originally was to use this point system that I made up to rank these guys. But like I said earlier, once I did this and once I had this on paper, it doesn't look right to me on who the greatest ever is. If we're If we're talking about the greatest ever being... Who has the most titles? Then yeah, but, but Donnie you know, Gay's number one. Sylvano's then, number but two. But you know as well as we do. And I put a big note on mine and I told you this, Ted. Uh, so much of it is eye test. And, and it's oh, the yeah. same in baseball, football, basketball. Yeah, well, that guy had it. And that's why, you know, in basketball, I, LeBron James has played 20 years and is still one of the top five players in the league. But yeah. I still think Michael Jordan's the greatest basketball player of all time. Why? Oh, yeah. Because I watched him. It, it, it mm-hmm. So it's the same. Same. You can't, stats don't tell the story. Then you take in longevity. That's part of being great. And yeah. It, so you know that that it's uh, this thing. And everybody see, it's like a crime. It's like a car accident. The, the five of us could, five of us could watch it and describe it. And it's always different, you know? Mm-hmm. True. Um, so and that's our lives. Just one big car wreck, you know, and. <laughs> Well, I, and, and and listen, you can look at the list, Ted, that you put together. How can you argue with the ten names that are on there? Right. Like, let's instead of arguing over one, how about you argue who was left out of the top ten? Mm-hmm. Like, because well, I can make a case for every one of these men that are on this list, every one. Uh, and and. Uh, who's left off of, yeah, of, well, of the list that you sent me? Well, so I mean, far, who, you, who, who who is in there? And Flint, you can think about this while Ted and I are talking about it. Who who is not on that list that you would have in there as a top ten right now? You know, unless yeah. you're just wanting to drill down and for me to tell you what exactly 
who you I know think I did? the greatest bull rider of all time is. You know what I did? I sat like this and just started writing the names that I think. And when I hit yeah. the end of what I was thinking, I counted them. Yeah. Well, and I had, uh, I had 11 plus three that could be, but nobody would put on. Oh, really? Of people I saw that were great. Anyway, are we so, going to see your tan or? Yeah. Why don't I, is, why don't I share my screen and show you the okay. kind of the list that I made so far? Just this, uh, this draft that I made so far. It's not, this is not the list. Don't get mad at me for, uh, showing you this list and telling me that I'm wrong, but this is what I built so far. This is my draft last week in Dawson Creek, British Columbia. While I was at the rodeo. <laughs> I was, uh, I had some time. I made some time to make this list and kind of make up this point system on, you know, statistically. Yeah, this is the order that I have it based on the points that the point system that I'm that I completely made up. So you don't right. have to you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just made up a point system to try and make it objective. You uh, know what it's called when you just make something up like that? What? That's called bullshit? cowboy shit. That's cowboy oh, shit. I yeah. thought it was bullshit, yeah. but that's good. Well, that too. Yeah. <laughs> but just strictly based on on points. So I assumed that Donnie had won the NFR twice. He made the NFR 13 times. I could confirm that. And he won the PRCA world title eight times. So I had him at like 1,100 points. And just based on the stats, I couldn't find any way that anybody else can be close or even, you know, there's, yeah. there's definitively he would have to be first based on the stats. Um, you know, there's longevity there uh, from 13 times to the finals. There's eight world titles. He found a way to win no matter what, right? And and then, but one thing that uh, Dustin mentioned, and Dustin took off. He had he had to go to a meeting here, but um, he said, you know, you know, and I don't know, I I don't know because I wasn't around and I didn't watch at the time. But who did Donnie compete against? And you know, and and no offense, no offense to Cody, but when Cody won the world, Donnie was out that year. He was hurt, you know. Like so, Cody rode against Don, but the year that Cody Snyder won the world is it was the year that that Donnie was out sidelines so what's the competition like well, at the time, well right? Unfor yeah, unfortunately well, to say that but like but who was who did sage ride against that he didn't ride against anybody on this list except for jw at the end of jw's time in the prca so what's that competition like that's good well point. Yeah. yeah yeah good point and there, there 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 may have been a lack of consistency of the of of riders consistently qualifying for the nfr during sage kimsey's run and then but but the question that you first asked is who was Donnie's competition and Donnie's competition was a lot of the PBR, uh, uh, a ring honor recipients, Bobby Del Vecchio, Charlie Sampson, uh, uh, Wacy Kathy, Lonnie Wyatt, Denny Flynn, Probably uh, Jim Sharp uh, and Ted noose as well. Right. Early on. Jim was a little bit later on. Donnie's career yeah. was basically, uh, finishing up at that particular point in time, but man, those there were some groundbreaking men, and of course, I mean, I'm I'm a huge Charlie Sampson fan. I love Charlie Sampson, always have, and and so man, he had some he had some legit competition back in those days. Oh I yeah, mean, you know, you're talking about some groundbreaking guys that you know today look at the PBR, and that's the reason why I would see Charlie Sampson at the PBR World Finals. Cause he was just dreaming going, man, I wish this had been around when, when I was riding bulls, you know? <laughs> and, uh, so he, yeah, he had some legit competition, you know, it was, yeah. I'm not trying to knock it. I was just trying to say like, yeah. no, it's a know, good point. Yeah, what's yeah. the, what's the competition? Cause if we look at this, Silvano, 
JB, <clears throat> uh, Jose, they've all, they all wrote at the same time. Yeah. And then you have Chris, um, riding against Adriano mm-hmm. and at times, uh, McBride, right? Yeah. So those guys Completely. are similar era. Yeah. Then Sage is out on his own, um, essentially in the PRCA side of things. And then Tough technically would have been a different era as well, right? Because Tough, that, Tough uh, was, he was together. Was, I mean, he was kind yeah. of early early on, like, but not the same time as Chris because he was doing his no. own thing. Kind of the same time as Adriano. So you could kind of say. Yeah, completely no. the same time as Adriano. And yeah. Ted, Ted Noose, Jim Sharp, Lane Frost. You yeah, know, they're on all the bus. Like so on that, that was that was a time. glory era of bull riding. Ooh. Like it was right. Crazy. Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah. Where those guys are all in the green kind of thing, right? Yeah, and then you know you snuck in a Michael Gaffney and Owen Washburn and oh yeah, Troy I mean, Dunn. Troy Dunn. I have he's one of those additional, you know. Yeah, and that's that eye test thing. Troy Dunn doesn't show up on a lot of things, but just no. like Brendan, I had recorded something with. Uh, as we do this, a podcast of mine just came out and in Brendan Clark's eyes, Troy Dunn's one of the greatest bull riders of all time. Yeah. You know, he'd come to the do go to uh go to two built for tough series events and freaking fly all the way home to Australia and then come Jeez. back, you know? Jeez. Um and beat up a lot of people. I mean, that's gotta count for something. <laughs> <laughs> just being dirty tough. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, it's uh it's Anyways. interesting, but yeah. So, so I'm looking at that, and and you know, Silvano rode against JB and Jose, right? Like he beat those guys to win those world titles, even if the point McBride system. McBride too. McBride too. Yeah, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Even if those, even if the point systems were changed a couple times over that kind of timeline, or you know, but he still, just like Donnie, they changed the point system in the PRCA when Donnie was winning the yeah. world, and he still found a way to win. At the time, right? right? Silvano still won. He still was the winner at the end of the end of the year, right? But if you counted more, if you counted all the second place finishes for JB, how many po- more points would he have? If you were to award points for being reserve world champ or or points for top five, like, well, right? what if speaking of people you could do that with? You know, <laughs> you know, Laramie. Ted, you know, Ted, Ted News, Ted News oh. was a world champion in nineteen eighty. Five or whatever. He got yeah. second like th- the next three years. Yeah, had it as uh what do I have? Four time reserve world champ for yeah. well, there you go. Right? Yep. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Laramie Marchi probably, was second. Yeah, yeah. it still probably wouldn't quite put Ted, even if you gave it like fifty points, that would get him to six fifty, which would kind of get him to the Joe Zay level. You know, yeah. if we were gonna go if we we're going that way. But um, But my but my eye test, my opinion that which that's what we're comparing is yeah i think ted noose gets left off a lot of lists but to be a reserve champ four times and win the world against jim tough lane ways to get ted noose you could argue he was one of the great he i got i have him on mine yeah Yeah. on in your top 10 you have him in your. Uh, he's in my top 11 Top eleven, <laughs> yeah. just like my top eleven. He's my number eleven. Yeah, I mean, you can, when you look at it, because I do, I I like what you did, but that's the reason you did it is to get us talking, yeah, about absolutely. it. Um, because yeah. I don't believe you can do it with just a a, a spreadsheet with points. But it bring it's funny when you do those same ten guys come up. Now oh, it's yeah. up to us to go. Yeah, but I think Ted News should be in there when you really look at. 
at his longevity. And, you know, the, everybody has their, you know, I asked JB Mooney one time, who's the greatest bull, bull rider you ever saw. He Jim said Schreier. in per in person. I said, yeah, you know who he said? Well, Brian, think- Ka- Brian Cantor. Oh yeah. And that's his buddy he said, that's the greatest bull rider I've ever seen. Now that's in a moment. So there's great yeah. bull riders in a moment. Longevity does also determine greatness. Yeah. You know, Ted it has to. Ted Noose, a world champion, four-time reserve champion, made the freaking R NFR 14 times. Yeah. Holy crap. You know? Yeah. yeah. So but, I'm just but, picking Ted Noose. Yeah. Well, and and but you know, unfortunately, only won the world one time. So yep. probably isn't on the list because everybody else on these lists have multiple world titles. So I don't know. Great. Byron Byron Walker won one steer wrestling world title and he's in the hall of fame. So yeah, that's the requirement there. though, right? You gotta have one. <laughs> I know. We could go on right? about the Hall of Fame. Oh stuff, yeah. yeah. I understand. And Rod Hay isn't in the Hall of Fame. There right. You go. How much bullshit is that? Twenty and times. he was he was number two, times. I think, on our list of Canadians. He was two or three on the top Bronc riders ever from Canada. And yeah, I'd well, like to I'd like to, to know good. who he, yeah, I'd like to know who he pissed off because that I, I do not <laughs> get that. Well, you can't because the the yeah. PRCA, the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame, their not first criteria to get in the Hall of Fame is world to be champion. a world champion. Yeah. yeah. And Rod Hay yeah. made the NFR 20 yeah. times. Yeah. Greatest yeah. bronc riders of all time. If but nothing else against... for what he did, but he didn't win a world title. So he's not. In the, I've been campaigning against that. Yeah. Yeah. But but yeah. Rod also wrote against Billy Bauer and Dan Mortensen. So yeah. if, if those guys weren't winning, you know, right, right. Like those guys, he wrote against the toughest ever, the best mm-hmm. ever. And he was second fiddle to them, but you know, he just, yeah, he just never won. So how, the so dude, can't be the number dude one. was a bona fide warrior. Oh Man, yeah. And I enjoyed watching and, that guy. Yeah. And the year, the year he was going to win it here, we're getting broke off his leg right again. He broke his leg in the fall and then oh, just in the summer, the same and in, never was, yeah, was, never was the same in Innisfail yeah. in June. It was June. Oh, it was, day, it it was the day that I filled my permit. He was like, wait, he had a hundred thousand dollars one. Yeah, I was there yeah, that crazy. day. Crazy. Yeah, he, he was so good. Oh, so good. So yeah, and he good. was like 40, but he was like just kicking ass. So yeah. Anyway, so, so anyways, sorry, go ahead, Clint. No, no, I mean, I'm just going back to your list, and I, I was intrigued, and I you, you had highlighted basically by generation, I guess, when you are our heiress and you know, you had Donnie One Color, you had Silvano. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And and so flip I mean do, geez Louise, we've got numbers today. So let's let's go back and talk <laughs> about the one thing that's not on here. And and it's tough because we don't have the numbers, the bull numbers, bull scores. Kind of from Donnie's air, from Donnie's air. We don't have them from Donnie's, correct? Yes, right. But I do have some of this, some of this data here that I think sorts it out a bit more. A little bit, just with like, you know, Silvano's average average score eighty four, and his riding percentage is forty six. So how is he the second greatest of all time if he doesn't have as good of percentages as? Jose with here, but it's a smaller sample size at 571 outs compared to Silvano at 1300. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I got to put Jose Vitor Lemmy on the list, 
but in right now, I, you, you know how you just feel like, well, he hasn't been doing it long enough to say he's the greatest bull rider in the world ever. It's true though. He might be when I watch him in a moment, I think yeah. that's the greatest freaking bull rider I've ever seen in my <laughs> life, but it's like, you know, I, it, it's hard to do that yet. Um, I don't know. It's, but he rides, let me tell you, Jose Vitor Lemmy, it isn't just have a high riding percentage in general. He has a high riding percentage on bulls that nobody else on this list got on. Right. Consistently yes. every day. True. Yeah. A higher level of bull, right? And that's why his average score is higher and he's riding 62%. But but it's just like Justin. So the PBR made a list uh, and they interviewed all the top guys. They interviewed Adriano and they interviewed, like you guys are probably on there. I, I didn't watch all of it, but I saw. No, they didn't ask me. Didn't ask <laughs> I saw you. that Not special you, and I went. What the I hell? Went. No. Yeah. yeah, I watched all these rides. But, but uh, you know, I saw all these guys and it was like McBride and Adriano and Ty and Cody and like, all these guys that were PBR founders and, but the only problem that I found with it, it was, there was no data to back up their, it was, it was strictly opinion. And just for, uh, just for shits here, I, I wrote down their list and they had McBride at number one. And I remember see, seeing, uh, actually, I think, uh, well, D Cooper De was definitely interviewed for it. Cody was Adri uh, Adriano was, I don't remember seeing if Chris was on there or whatnot, but like they already had Jose number five, but I don't know how to put Jose ahead of, Silvano, like I don't know how anybody's ahead of Silvano at number twelve when he won the world three times. Like it just seems right. Bit... And no, what's no interesting? Seems... Oh, sorry, go ahead. The, the the interesting thing is they have Jim Jim Sharp at number three. Jim Sharp was yeah. really at the end of his career as the PBR grew. Jim Sharp did not win a PBR world title. Correct, but they have number three. But, but yeah, but which is probably legit. Like yeah, like he he should be number three. Or what are you? Or what are you saying? Yeah, I mean, listen, I. I know quite a bit about bull riding, but it's the, my opinion is formed a lot of about the experts I talk to. And do you know True. how many really, really great bull riders um, for the most part, when you say who's the greatest bull rider of all time, the majority of them say Jim Sharp. Hmm. Yeah. And to me, that means a lot. I'm getting that from people who know way more than I do. Yeah. And that's just always in my mind. People ask me who's the greatest of all time. And I always say, I'll tell you who in my career, the greatest I was influenced by the kind of person he was, uh, the friendship I had, what I think he would do for anybody. The teacher, he is the out, uh, well-spoken in my career, the greatest bull rider, because I'm influenced by all of that is Justin McBride in my career that, huh. you know, now, does that mean when I have to put a list together and say who's on the top and on the greatest bull rider of all time, I don't know yeah. <laughs> if that, you know, so see, I'm kind of jumping the gun, but man, I, 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 gosh, Domati, I look at this list <laughs> instead, Ted, I mean, like I've intently looked, you know, since you sent it to me and I look at these men and how I look at this is every one of them told a story. And it's like, if you had to write a book, every one of these men could deserve a chapter in it because of what they contributed to the sport itself. Because in Donnie's era, bull riding 
wasn't a standalone sport yet. But his contributions to the story and the narrative that led up to the founding fathers of the PBR creating the professional bull riders is undeniable the effect that he had on those founding fathers that came after Donnie's generation, you know, his era. You know, when you look at the guys that, that were the, the, the first original investors that came up with the idea and, and, and although they were riding bulls, but they were in high school and college and, you know, watching Donnie get eight gold buckles and then, you know, suddenly everything shifted. We go to Las Vegas and there's a whole new era of bull riders. There's Jim Sharp, there's Lane Frost, Cody Lambert, and, 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 you know, just all these great riders. And so every one of these men on here tell a story. And they've all contributed in some way. And that's why I love the fact that J.W. Harris is on here. And, and you know, we could sit here and talk for hours about what he could have done in the PBR. And I think it's undeniable. Flint, you disagree with me here. But I, I, if he didn't come over three years earlier, he'd have won a world championship in the PBR. Yeah, PBR got J.W. Harris at the wrong time of his yeah. career. Yeah, but. Here, here's how I, when I visualize Donnie Gay, okay, I'm, when I see Donnie Gay, I'm a little kid sitting at home watching the Heston telecast round yep. 10 of the NFR. There's all these bull riders that were cowboys. There's Jerome Robinson and Wacy Cathy and all them guys. Donnie Gay wasn't just a cowboy. He was a star. That's right. He dressed a little different. He had a little longer hair. His hat was shaped a little cooler. He'd wear the satin shirt. He was different. The next era with Tough Hedeman, Lane Frost, Jim Sharp, those guys were all Donnie Gay. Does that make sense? They were no longer yeah. just these guys that were bull riders and cowboys that wore the drab shirts. and They were stars. When you had the NFR, there's Tough and, and Jim. and uh, I mean, then that next era, they just kept coming. And Donnie Gay invented that. I mean, there was Bobby Del Vecchio. He, you know, do I remember him doing that? And that was people were the old timers were appalled that he would <laughs> show the other riders up, you know, but Donnie Gay was that flash. He was a different talent. Donnie Gay, wherever we put him, he's top three. Has to be. Has to be. Yep. Yeah. I, 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 two, maybe two. May, I don't know. Yeah. But he, to me, he and in my mind, now listen, I'm, Different era, and I, I look at it from, as Clint said, 30,000 feet. To me, he invented modern bull riding a little bit. Oh, yeah. You know, he, uh, he flashed it up, man. Look at the difference in the way he rode compared to the, the way early in his career. As he got older, there were some different guys. Early in his career, you look at the way he rode compared to other guys at the NFR at his time. He's kicking their ass mm -hmm. and flashing it up. And yeah, so and he... I mean, I know where he thinks he should be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I, I think we're going to ride about 9 out of 15 tonight. Come on, Donnie. You're full of shit. Um, <laughs> That's it. So, at the NFR, you know, Clint, what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. What do you think tonight, oh, yeah. Donnie? Man, I'll tell you what, there's a good pen of bulls. And I think I think out of 15, the guys are going to ride tonight. We're going to ride nine of them. We ain't riding nine of them, Donnie. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so that leads me to another question, though. If you did a, if you took these 10 guys 
to the PBR World Finals or the NFR for 10 rounds. You're going to put these these guys between 5 and 10 rounds if it's the World Finals or the NFR. If Donnie Gay is strapping in against Jose, both in their primes, who's oh, winning? Prime. If they're both riding in their prime at the same time, who's who's going to win? Like Out of these 10 guys, or if you're doing Donnie against Jose. They're kind of the ride. same. Donnie Gay and yeah. Jose are kind of the same, aren't they? They're identical, aren't they? They both ride left. Same, si- same, same, same size. Same size. Yeah, si- similar build. Speak English about the same. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's a joke. We all know Jose speaks better English than Donnie. <laughs> but but that's the next question, though. Um, how do you rank them then if they're all riding against each other? I think Silvano and Adriano probably ride nine or ten bulls, or they might ride nine or ten. Like there's still those guys that are going to ride a lot. But you're going to get JB is picking the rank ones every night, and he's going to ride and make some really big good way to look at rides. It. Chris is going to spur a couple down mcbride's gonna float around and, and knee that's, up and ride them really nice but that's what we try to do in other sports if you take them all in their prime you know yeah. you're looking yeah oh, good question yeah um Adri- adriano wrote 10 at the nfr didn't he, he did yeah. yeah he did yeah jim sharp uh adriano He's the only guy on this list to ride 10 at the nfr yeah. as far as i know well, well uh, i have jim sharp jim you sharp. Have jim on your list yeah yeah true. and then norman curry was the other one yeah 10. Well, and if you go back further, um, there was a Canadian guy. Um, I forget if it was, wasn't it? I don't know if it was Leo Brown or Bob Robinson. One of our guys from up home rode all eight when in Oklahoma City. When back it was eight. Day, when it was eight, yeah. I forget who it was now. Yeah. I don't have yeah. that number, that name memorized. But, but anyways, you know the the thing that intrigues me about Marias, and I think that there can be a case to be made for this when you look at the span of time of his three world championships in the PBR, you can, you can make the case that, that his final world championship, we hadn't hit the crescendo of where bulls were going, but we were headed in that direction when he won that final world championship, the bulls that he faced that year Versus the Bulls that he faced the very first year that he won the world championship. There's a remarkable difference between those pin of Bulls that were selected for his fi- for the year that he won his final world championship in the PBR versus the first. And that of all 10 guys that are on that list, I, I, I mean, I truly, I truly think he would be the only one that you could quantify or make the statement that he he saw modern era bulls like those pin bulls that he had, you know, that year Flint, do you agree or disagree? Yeah. I'm not saying that they, they were just starting today, to, but yeah. they were just starting to like, really, it was, it was a different, the, the, the big, you know, the bushwhackers hadn't come yet and whatnot have you, but man, gosh, Damati, he, he, he could, an argument could be made that he's seen the old school bulls because, you know, the, you know, the first, what, 10 years, 15, you know, 12 years of the PBR, maybe 15 years of the PBR. Um, those were almost the same type of bulls that they were getting on in the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. You know, uh, in, in the span of, you know, tough Edeman's world championships and, uh, you know, what not have you, but, I don't know. That's that's one thing that I think about when I when I look at that list and putting in the uh, qualifier of the of the type of bulls because we haven't even 
you know, drilled down on on that. But uh, yeah. Anyway, well, and we could do that for two hours, but I don't have two hours. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, got to make it flat still. Yeah, I do. Like I said earlier, there are so many guys that I admire and respect and have so much more knowledge than I do. The, the one thing you don't have, <clears throat> like you don't have complete statistics on what Jim Sharp's riding percentage in a season was. Like there was a season he rode, uh, I mean, maybe you have it. I just like, what's the, is that his right? Does it say what, like, where'd those statistics come from? Like, this is all, this is all what we have actual data on from Slade Long's Pro Bowl stats. So this is what's on there. And this is a lot of NFRs and actually, let me show you. Hold on. So it might be, I can go to Pro Bowl stats and go to Jim. So I would imagine. So what you're looking at is NFR and PBR, but not like regular season. I'll bet. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Let's but. look at it here. Uh, so this is looks like mostly PBR stats, but let's just go. Right. Let's go look at the records and, and see what we have. And Jim this Sharp. Is, yeah, yeah, this is all the way to 05. Yeah, but it's PBR stuff. Okay. Uh, that's all. Those are all. Those are all PBRs. Yeah, so far. And Jim was kind of at the end of his career, right? Clint in the PBR. Yes. That was the end yeah. of his career. But this yeah. goes all the way back to 97, 95, right? 95, right? Right. 94 was year okay. one. So this is this is basically yeah. his entire PBR career. Right. I'll go. That's that's good. Yeah. And I'm with you on that. That's his PBR career. Great. But do you know, have you ever heard people talk about what his riding percentage was in a rodeo season when they I've go to a hundred rodeo? I've heard, yeah. Their season is it though. Well, either way, you're getting on a hundred bulls a year and riding 90% of them. Yeah. So but no what matter was the what number, I wonder. But no matter what you're getting on, that is a, that's where people say he just, there was a time he rode like 30 some bulls in a row. Yeah. And that comes from like Cody Lambert telling me we went somewhere and he rode, he just rode everything. You know, Cody Lambert told me about the movie eight seconds. The guy that got screwed the worst in the movie eight seconds was <laughs> Jim Sharp because yeah. Jim Sharp traveled with them the whole time. But what Cody said was, well, he didn't really fit in a Hollywood movie because he never bucked off and he didn't say shit. So <laughs> he never talked and he never bucked off. He said, didn't fit in the movie. So they eliminated, eliminated him out of the movie. So it's kind of interesting. He was too good, you know? Yeah. Um, hmm. So I don't heck, know. Heck, I, I remember, I remember watching the NFR telecast and for the life of me, I can't remember who was commentating it on those, you know, when back in the day when we only got the 10th round, and, and, and we didn't have enough money to have satellites, so I didn't get all 10 rounds back in those days. But I do remember the commentators talking about so many times over and over and over again. He just made them look too easy. Ted, I do remember. And the reason I said, yeah, yeah, that's PBR. I wasn't bl- brushing you off. Yeah. But I remember being in the arena and Jim Sharp bucking off bulls. And it just was he was getting older. His body was given out on him and it was sad. And the guys were like, you don't understand how many bulls he wrote. Like the PBR was different, you know, 
don't know. There's so many people that say Jim Sharp's the greatest bull rider of all time that I, I guess I think Jim Sharp was the greatest bull rider of all time. Huh. That's I do. That's your, I, that's I, I you don't do. know. I don't know who else I could put above him uh, with. I mean, someday will it be Jose Vitor Lemmy? Yeah, could be if he if he goes another four years and keeps riding like he does. Yeah, he'll be the greatest bull rider. Well, and then one thing I didn't put on here, which I probably could have, is is uh, Jose's M- PBR team's MVP. Going back to the team's side of things, I look back at the hockey side of things. I've had this conversation before where I think the league MVP is the league MVP could essentially be your former world champion because I think we're technically devaluing both the you know world title season a little bit with the with the way that the format has changed we're devalued we're it's it's got to be it's a, it's a, like a four months or a six month season now it used to be like a whole year long right there's yeah but it's way more clo- but it's close to the same number of events we're okay like our our season our regular season is going to be like 26 okay something and it used to be we just went we went year. january to may and took a break and then so we do yeah. like it, tw- 16 and 13 or something we do now nah, it never was a split we do like okay. 18 and eight or something it was always a two-thirds one-third kind of a thing the the so, point that was brought yeah. up the other day though is that that season is so short now where previously jb was hurt half of 2013 or 15 and he came back in the second half and won everything and won the world where now that couldn't happen because he can't get hurt in January and come back and do that in May that the season's too right. condensed. So like well, something like that's not no longer possible. Now, now that we have a, a season straight through from November to May, a lot of people step up and go, well, that it's bullshit. It's no fair. Cause if a guy gets hurt, then he doesn't have a chance to win a world title. I, I said, you mean like every other sport? I mean, what happens if a football player gets hurt the yeah, third, second game? You're screwed. And not that that makes it right or wrong, but we always want to be, well, these Cowboys, it's like every other sport. Oh, this is their sport. You know, I have a saying the Cowboys want to be treated like professional athletes until they get treated like professional athletes. <laughs> but our season is the same thing. Well, correct. If he gets hurt, then he's probably can't make that comeback and win the world title. Uh Right. Same yeah, with, true. Uh, if Tom Brady tears up his knee, the fourth game, it, mm-hmm. you know? So uh, again, I'm not lessening it. I'm not trying to, but that is the reality of sport. That is, that's part of it, I guess. True. That's true. Um, so for my list compared to your list, Flint, I'm missing, <laughs> I'm missing Jim Sharp. Um, Flint, what, you know what, what? yeah but like you mean on your top 10 list you don't have yeah. jim sharp you no, what about jim, in your i have jim 12th what about is that just by your numbers or what you tell yeah. me what do you well, think yeah. in your heart though what do you I, what do well, you think if i was going to rank it that way and go based on the uh like adding in these i, I think i think these stats tell a lot about who's going to win on average you know in a in a head-to-head situation i think this kind of takes some of the some of the heart out of it um because in you know and based on based on these numbers i don't think i can put jim sharp that high because they the guys that rode with him speak highly but based on this data that i have and this and, and again this is only P, pbr data but the numbers the numbers don't like 
the numbers take the opinion out of it. And yeah. by having these stats here, Jim Sharp, based on you know, based on these numbers, can't be on the list that yeah. I have here well, because he doesn't because he doesn't uh, qualify technically. And if you're in your heart, you don't think Jim Sharp's in the top ten. That means you're dumb. <laughs> that means I'm dumb. <laughs> and my list is horseshit. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> but but I never saw him ride in the PRCA, and I don't know. You know, it might be the stuff of legend a little bit. I don't know for sure. But until I saw those numbers and saw those cards and saw this actual 90% riding, you know, riding percentage, this, this stat line here doesn't tell that story. Mm-hmm. And this stat line shows that the PBR bulls maybe beat him up a little bit. I don't know. Maybe he didn't stay on his knees. He was just well, at the end of his career. Okay. I mean, he but, just didn't. But that yeah. goes back to 94. But maybe more of his end of his career, it's, it's skewed a bunch. But that's the worst riding percentage on this list of the top 10 that we have data on. We have data on 9 of 10. The only one we're missing is Donny Gay. Everybody else has at least a few. Even I, has I, again, I'll, again, I'll emphasize, and I was younger and not paying quite as much attention, but I will yeah. emphasize because it got the same way with Ty Murray in the PBR. Okay. When guys were like, that's not really Jim Sharp. Like, Clint, I don't know if you're yeah. it's like, it's like, yeah, that's Jim Sharp. Ty Murray got to where, you know, his body was given out. It's like, that's not the Ty Murray we saw rodeo. And that's not the, yeah. and it wasn't that the bulls beat him up. Cause they were getting on the same bulls at that time. Okay. When you look at late nineties in the PBR, there wasn't that huge of a difference. I didn't, somebody. Yeah. Watched it, say, I'm it, it, shit. Listen, <laughs> your, your total number on Jose Vitor Lemay, 640, correct? Fed? Uh, I've got 571 for like for records uh from, from yeah uh, yeah or I'm sorry 640 looking... points that's correct yeah yes yeah. jim sharp has 630 correct he's right and, there yeah and i don't have all the data well you're right and 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 i'm 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 with flynn on this i i have a hard time not having him on the list fair enough in, yeah, in, fair in enough. the top 10 and the only one that i would say that if i had to drop at this moment because he's really just he's not even I don't believe he's halfway through his career and that's that and that's Lemmy. Yeah. I mean, who knows where this guy's gonna go? You know, I mean hey. there's there's speculation our hypotheticals given the data that we have and the resume that, that Lemmy has put together, and we're also missing a little bit that the same thing can be said about Jim Sharp. They're basically hypotheticals because we don't have the data. And yeah. and if you look at your at your at your total number here, they're not far off from each other from the limited data that we have for Jim Sharp. And True. and I've heard the same stories that Flint heard. Uh I mean, I you know, uh well, geez. And it makes sense uh, if like if if all the best guys, like if all, all these guys are talking about Jim and he's number two on the on the PBR list, and it's coming from Justin and Adriano and all these like all these main top guys, then I I believe those guys. I'm not, yeah, I'm not knocking too. that. Yeah. So I, I yeah. believe them. And Here, that that's one thing we're kind of we're you know unfortunately we're kind of not not unfortunately but we're just we don't have McBride telling us who should be on the list or Mooney or you know we're not we're well, not having that conversation with those guys today. So it's want me to call him? Perspective. You want you me to call him? You could if you wanted. <laughs> so I might. Uh, <laughs> should we call so, Donnie? When uh, no, um, we don't have that kind of time. 
But it, you know who? Yeah, I'll tell you who I would. And then I want to tell you something. Who I would on camera call up and he would have answered the phone and told us? Jerome, Jerome Robinson. Yeah. 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 Um, so I sat down a couple of days ago and, and, and I've been thinking and I just thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to write names down from my brain, from my heart right away. The guys that I visualize, you know, you want to know the first ones I wrote and it doesn't mean that they're at the top of the list, but visualizing great bull riders who I think are the greatest of all time. I wrote them on a card. There's my card right there. Yeah. The top name, the, the first five names I wrote, Chris Shivers, Justin McBride, Jim Sharp, Donnie Gay, Sage Kimsey. Then Adriano Marias, J.B. Mooney, Jose Vitor Leme, Silvano Alves, Ted Noose, Tuff Hedeman. And that ah. turned out to be 11. And then, you know, I wrote on the bottom. J.W. Harris. Honorable, honorable mentions. I didn't. And I'm, oh. I love J.W. Harris, but I always felt like he fell in between an era of PBR guys going here. And I just, and I love J.W. Harris. And he should, he should be on this next level. I wrote Galarmi Marchi, Troy Dunn, and this is from my heart, Robson Palermo. Oh, yeah. How about that? The great, hey, in, in my mind, my mind, the greatest PBR bull rider to never win a world title. Yeah. I agree with that. So but that's yeah, where, finals like three you know, times. When I'm just right brainstorming, you know, I spitballing, man. I'm spitballing. Those are the names that came up. Yeah. Right there. Did you have tough on your list? Yeah, he's, you did. I did. Okay. Yeah. And okay. he, I wrote him towards the bottom. That doesn't necessarily mean he was at yeah. the bottom, but um, yeah. And, and you know what? None of us, like I didn't on the list and instantly because of fame and Hollywood, greatest bull rider of all time. What do people always say? Greatest oh, bull rider of all time. Lane Frost. Well, yeah, Lane Frost was a world champion and a, a, oh, yeah. such an influential figure. That doesn't mean he was one of the greatest bull riders of all time. Probably yeah. one of the most well-known. You right. give points yeah. for that. Yeah. Right. There you go. Uh, Clint, who was on your list yeah. when you made a list like this? Or, or do you, did you have one? I never asked you that question. Yeah. Yeah. No, I listen, I didn't. I unfortunately don't have it here with me, but okay. I, I did. And again, I think you hit exactly where I was at when I was formulating this, once you proposed the, uh, the question and, but, but Jim was in my top 12. And I mean, you had every name in here with Jim Sharp. And I had, I had a hard time not, not putting Jim shoulders in there, but I had, I had him in there. But again, I look at things a little bit differently, just kind of like, you know, what we talked about, I look at the contributions that these men did to the sport to propel it forward. And so just like he had Robson Palermo in there, you know, just from, from, and he's right. I, I agree with Flint. Um, I, I, I look at contributions. I look at things through a different lens than, than just the numbers. Um, because again, it, it goes back. These men were building a narrative to where we are today. And, you know, <clears throat> Excuse me. Pardon me. I, uh, you know, J.B. Mooney, I, I, I look at when I'm in Cheyenne the other day and they start playing his music. They played the same music that we played for him when he was in the PBR and you heard the crowd, the buzz happen. And 
I go, man, what if JB didn't ride Bushwhacker in Tulsa that day? What would that have not done for the sport? Well, what did it do to help propel the sport forward? And, and, and Sage Kimsey, you know, there's one of my big all-time fails back when people were asking me about how great Sage was. And until I saw him actually really challenged, you know, I was on the fence about how great this guy was to put him on a pedestal up there with Donnie Gay. And then I saw him get tested, and he passed the test. And I went, my goodness, man, this guy's this guy's a unbelievable talent. And so, uh, you know, I look at his contributions and Donnie Gay's contributions and Silvano and Adriano and just what the, what they've all done for the sport. Larry Mahan, Freckles Brown, they all had a story and they all were at a point at a pinnacle in Western sports. Mm. At one point they were at the top and they contributed to pushing the product forward to what we have today. And they all deserve honorable mention for the hard work and the I, dedication and the suffering that they did. I think, I think in doing this, Ted, I think you can do in an order, we could come up with a hypothetical top three or four, maybe five. And then the rest are just on the list. Well, that's how uh, I feel. I think that uh, I just redid a couple things here and I just oh. added it to make it a top 12. And I think, this is, <laughs> I think this is a little more, I think this is pretty close. Honestly, like, and I think yeah. that it'd be tough to kind of argue with some of the yeah. numbers yeah. based on actually you're right just total That's, data. Like yeah. maybe this, you know, cause my intention was to make a make a definitive list. Like I know I know it's not easy yeah. to do, and I know that not everyone will agree with it. But I think it's important to do it objectively and take some of the opinion out of it and just be like, this is based on you know based on titles, because that's the only thing we can technically put a real number to this is kind of what the list is yeah and, you know and you, it, and it's probably a close close order honestly it's do you know that far off. do you know that the, the that one year donnie gay didn't win the world title was the format was the same as when chris ledoux won the bareback riding That's world right. title where where they was this NFR? i think i think butch kirby won it didn't it, and it was the nf it was just the nfr so oh. and and um, Butch Kirby beat Donnie Gay, but if you'd have gone by Donnie Gay, would have had a ninth one if they'd have used yeah, the same. True, because that was that was one thing that uh, Sage told me when I was doing the media stuff at the NFR for years. He said that his goal was ten world titles because because that's the real. He thought, yeah, he thought that yeah. Donnie should have had the ninth. Yeah, here's something else. In 1997, Michael Gaffney won the world title. That's my gauge. That was the first world PBR world finals I ever did. Michael Gaffney won the world title and he, everything the last two weeks of the season and every round of the PBR world finals had to go perfectly for him to win the world title because Adriano Marias broke his leg and was out. If Adriano Marias doesn't break his leg, Three weeks before the world finals in 97, Adriano yeah. Marias is a four-time PBR. Four time. That's right. But there's lots. And if my yeah. aunt had, and if my aunt had nuts, she'd be my uncle, right? <laughs> but, but I mean, there's all those little things that you can take into consideration that yeah, you know, Adriano he gets lost a little, he stuck around a long time. Adriano not always doesn't always say things he's supposed to say or however you want to put it. 
that guy, you talk about a game changer. You talk about a guy who opened the floodgates of great bull riders coming over. He was the first one for a guy to come over and win, completely give up everything he knew in his culture, not speak a word of English and come over here and win. Uh, that's crazy. And, and uh, just for, for the data sake, won his first PBR world title in 94, won again in 01, missed 97, like you said, but won again his final world title in 2006. Yeah. yeah. 12 and years later. He telling a story about going somewhere, California, and this bully's getting on his mean. And he's like, this is bullshit. These bulls are mean. They are so mean. Like, he's got some great stories about when he came <laughs> over, you know. Remember well, the old... Remember the story of at Tucson one year and he had just come over and he wins the round or something in Tucson. They interview him on TV and Charlie Sampson goes, it's okay. I'm going to be the interpreter <laughs> for him. And so they say, okay, Charlie. Wow. You, yeah, yeah, it's good. And they say, Charlie, ask Adriano how it feels to win here. And, it, and Charlie goes, Adriano, how's it feel? To, and he just yelled at him. It was like a complete joke. Like he oh, did no. anyway. Yeah. Those are well, good. Stories. Yeah. So how, how many, how much more could Adriano have won if, you know, hypothetically he didn't get hosed by the judges cause he was Brazilian in the beginning yeah, I, or later I've on. Ne- yeah. That that has never crossed my mind. Actually. I don't never ever actually. Okay. No, it hasn't Clint. Am I, I'm did oh. is, does that go around? I guess I've never even heard of them. Of I just wonder, maybe that's a, maybe that's more of a PRCA question. Maybe they, I, I don't, and I don't know if it ever happened, but I, I know like different times there's been conversations about that, about somebody doesn't get marked because, you know, maybe Silvano doesn't get marked sometimes and they change the system to change it. So because of yeah. how he was doing things, um, I don't know. I'm all, I'm just asking, you know, that. you know, people used to talk about Silvano, not uh, getting screwed there. Hey, such and such rode that bull and he was 89 yeah. and a half points. Silvano gets on the bull and he's 86 and they mark the bull a point and a half less. That's bullshit. They're screwing Silvano. That that's not true. Silvano was a little bigger guy and pulled his rope really, really tight Mm -hmm. and tended to sit on bulls. Bulls did not perform under Silvano like they did other guys. That was a fact. And, and, but is can the same be said for Jim or tough or Adriano that wrote everything was like, did Adriano suck a bunch of rope into him and make him not buck as much did. Is that what Jim did? Like, or did they make him look too easy? Is some of that the same conversation that they make the bulls look too easy? Jim sharp. Jim sharp made everything look easy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. God, he was so good. And he, 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 he didn't get out of position either. I mean, he was just so technically correct. And that's the one thing about, about Silvano. Um, you know, he, he, he obviously would pull a lot of rope in a bull, but you know, he could ride at a position and he could get so far back on those bulls that it would affect how they kick and how they buck. And that would obviously, I'm just going and reinforcing Flint's point basically just from a different angle on that. And I, I just happened to be sitting here looking at the top 100 bull riders by qualified rides. Ted, you've seen this. Is this right. on Slate site too? I can't see your phone yeah. very well right now, but I'll go look it up. Oh, I'm sorry, buddy. Where yeah, do I, I, I where was... do I find the uh so so just list. go to top one hundred bull riders, pro bull stats, you can Google it or whatever you want oh, to do. Oh, most rides right here. Okay. Top, oh, Mike top. Lee. Yeah, look at that. It it listen, oh, wow. this has 
this might be just a hair bit <laughs> off of obviously what we're talking about, but but we've also brought up talking about qualified rides with Jim Sharp, and of course, obviously, we're still going to be lacking data when you look at the top 100 bull riders, far as for qualified rides. That's it, obviously. That's the only qualifier here. Uh, and, and it's very interesting to see just in the modern era of the, you know, the top 12 lists via qualified rides with full data that we have today uh, with Mike Lee, J.B. Mooney, Shane mm. Proctor, Marchi, Kimsey, J.W. Harris, Cody Teal, Silvano Alves, Cody Nance, and L.J. Jenkins. Yeah, here's right. that list, too. There it is. Same yeah. factor. Kind of an interesting yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. I yeah. get You guys, I'm not I'm not going to dick around anymore. Hold okay. On. Okay. Tell us the name. Hold on. No, I'm making in a phone order. call. I'm making a phone call. Oh, really? Uh -oh. Here we go. We dial him right in here. Look at that. Aaron Roy, too. Interesting. Hold yeah. on. Okay. All right. Well, we're holding on. We're holding with bated breath. <laughs> There's a lot McBride? going on this. There's a lot going on this week in Nashville. He probably won't answer. Oh, oh it's McBride. Yeah. Because yeah. right yeah, you're not going to answer. Okay. Yeah. We tried. You tried. That bastard. Yeah, I'll think of somebody else. <laughs> uh, yeah, hey, I just, well, hey, because well, I think it's, I think a lot of it is that instant, like say, all right, real quick, greatest bull rider of all time. And usually what they say right away, it, you can go all the way around in all these circles and it always comes back to you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, to have the 12 men that are on your list, to have them at a dinner table at your house, like theoretically, those 12 guys right there. Oh, man, what else do you say? Like, what an impressive list okay. of men. I'm doing it Just, again. Are doing you doing it again? It again? I'm yeah. done. I'm picking somebody else. Are you calling Cody Lambert? Oh, Michael Gaffney, right to voicemail. Oh. <laughs> hey, speaking of great bull riders. Holy shit. Michael Gaffney. Oh, Whoa. my goodness. He rode nine. He rode nine at the NFR, and, and his, the other one, uh, he slapped a bull. Oh, really? In the in the ninth round. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Um. So going back to this question, just to mess with you a bit more. Um, if we have these 12 on the list, we've decided it's 12. There's no other way to really get around it. It's not a top 10 list anymore. It's top 12, but yeah. how's our order and how far out of whack is it based on what we got I here think, right now? I think based on your points, I, if I did top three right now, if you, if I, from my heart had to do top three, I would go Jim Sharp, Justin McBride, Donnie Gay. That'd be my okay. top three. Okay. Yeah. And or, how and, yeah. and based on the based on the data we have, how would you award points um objectively for these guys? Not like how how would you well uh, how would you do I, that? Or could I, I I think that I because I do think a, a thing that's missing is guys through their careers like Jim Sharp, like we yeah. said, how many the percentage of bulls he really did ride, yeah. you know, going where you talk to a Cody Lambert that was in the car with him and mm -hmm. saying yep. he'd go weeks and never buck off him weeks, True. you know, but he doesn't uh, have the titles to back it up though. He's got two PRCA world titles, uh, right? But why didn't he win eight? Like Donnie gay. Um, how, how, how do you rank them? 
How do you rank them ahead of Sylvester? Well, again, again, Jim, Jim Sharp fell into the, you know, the tough lane, time or like uh, the, Lane the Frost won one Lane Frost won in 87. Yeah. You know, and they were all traveling together. Tough one in whenever. So 85. he's riding. He's oh, riding Trump. against those guys. That that was like we said, that was the glory days of bull riding. As far as I'm concerned, like mm-hmm. you get, you know, pull up a picture of 1988 Can you see, can you and see look at this. The, oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So look at, look at who won around that time. Yeah. Tough you know, one Donnie twice. Gay, Ted News, Tough Edeman, Lane Frost. Then there's Jim Sharp, Tough Edeman, Jim Sharp, Tough Edeman. Ted News. So Tough you're Gay. wondering why Jim Sharp didn't win more world titles. Yeah. <laughs> look true. at, look at there that. There you go. I, I yep. mean, then Ty Murray, Cody, you know, yeah, I, I, it's just crazy. That's a, that. that's a good point, though. Yeah, that's why. Flynn, that's I love why. your yeah. analogy about about that era, about that time when yeah. Pro Rodeo goes to Las Vegas and and that that transformation. It was like turning, like passing the baton to the next generation, man. Yeah. I went to the NFR the first time in 1990. I had just finished student teaching and officially graduated from college. And my mom and dad planned a trip with my grandparents and my aunt and uncle. And uh, my grandma got cancer and my grandma and grandpa couldn't go. And my mom and dad said, you just finished college. Come with us. 1990. How great, how thrilled do you think I was sitting in that second from the last uh, top level watching the bull riding at the NFR? In 1990, and Clint Bronger was there, and that oh, whole cool. crap. It was crazy. Cool. Yeah. So, so just for fun, I waited the, I waited the PRCA World Titles the same as the PBR World Titles at the time. I just, I'm again, I'm just making this up. Yeah. But if I do it like that and make those worth 250 points, like I did with the PBR, then Tough Edeman's number one because he won three World Titles in that era, and he won the PBR World Title in '95 as well. So that puts that kind of puts tough number one if you're gonna put base points on that, but it also puts Jim Sharp up to like number four or five kind of thing. Because I could almost I could almost change some of this back and make this worth like, you know, make these ones worth a hundred just for fun or a hundred and fifty. And that could knock that back a little bit, you know, knock Silvano back a ways. Depending on what we're doing here, like even I, I test era. There's so many things that, that can't be quantified with number. And Ted, that's not, I'm not insulting you because you're creating an interesting thing where you, where you got to compare numbers and flat out analytics, you know, people with analytics in baseball, well, the analytics or football, the analytics say to go for two after this touchdown, but that's freaking stupid. You know what I mean? And there and there's analytics to everything. Let me, you know, some other analytics and I haven't got to use this on TV yet. And you're not allowed to Clint. Um, okay. Uh, in the original PBR teams draft, uh, general manager, Brandon Bates of the Oklahoma freedom looked at the analytics in the first round. And it had Derek Kolbaba ranked as the 56th best available bull rider to draft. And they took, uh, Derek Obama and he won how many games for them last yeah. year and so yeah. it's like really there's 55 other guys better than Derek Obama but that's what the analytics and the pers- his riding percentage all of this stuff told him that 
And Derek Kobaba turned out to be the hero of that team. And he was analytics said he was 56th on the list. No way. Uh, just one example. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. There you mm. go. It's a nugget I'm saving for TV. Now somebody will see it and Matt West will steal it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he'll steal it from me. That son of a bitch. <laughs> that freaking Kate Harrison. She'll steal that from me. <laughs> that's a that's a neat uh neat stat though. Yeah. But, Bates told me that. Yeah. Um so I feel like I know less now than I did when we started. No kidding. Uh, but no, you're you've been talking to us. You know a lot now. I think we got I think we got a pretty decent list. But but tell me though, on the order, what do we think? Like are we am I way off? Like if we're just going on the stats, how do we award Jim more points or do we or can we like we can't give Jose anymore? And I think no, I, I, I think I'm waiting the PBR world titles a little bit too much comparatively. Like yeah. I think I think the Jim Sharp ones, like if you're going like this, like I think these these Jim Sharp world titles in that era are probably keep, worth more. Keep something in mind. Keep but, something in mind too. Clint, you, you know this, Clint. In the eighties, early nineties, ninety one, ninety two, the world title, bull riding world title in the PRCA was as prestigious a championship as there was anywhere. Every great bull rider, that was it. Cody Snyder and I talked about that. When the top 15 in the world went to the NFR, there were no better. That was the 15 greatest bull riders in the world. So what is watered down? Now, there's not less great bull riders now. They're just spread out all over the country and all over the world. So in that Jim Sharp era, I, I don't, you can't manipulate the numbers to move him up. You just got to know that Jim Sharp in that era was the greatest bull rider of all time. That's how I, because it, it, it you can't quantify it because there wasn't two. You look at Donnie gate. That was it. Every was great it, bull yeah. rider in the world was there. And that, yeah. so, and that's what your list is. Jim Sharp, yeah, you you no matter how you mess with those numbers, it's like shit. How does that happen? But we just know, you just yeah. know, you know. Huh. But uh, I don't. I like I like to make it where the numbers know too. But so far, I can't figure that out. It's because you're a nerd, Millhouse. Because I'm a number nerd, Millhouse. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Flint, you bring up. Listen, you bring up a great point about the competition. And they were concentrated in one spot. And today, obviously, we still have great bull riders, but they're they're spread out a little bit more than what they were back in those days. And, um, you know, I think the same could be said, you know, when you look at Kinsey's world titles, if there wasn't a PBR. Right. I was just thinking that. Yeah. yeah. And. What if Chris Shivers, Justin McBride, J.B. Mooney, Silvano Alves? How many titles would trade? Uh, would Sage have? That's a name. Hey, talk about a name we haven't brought up. I mean, it what? came up. Chris Shivers. Yeah. He, yeah. Look at the number of ninety-point rides Chris Shivers. Oh, had. like oh, it's yeah. it. Oh yeah. It's like. Jerry White or Jerry Rice wide receiver numbers where you go, how could anybody possibly do that? Like yeah. Chris Shivers, he was when he came on the scene at 18 years old, everybody went, Who the hell is this guy? Like, unreal. 
Like he was yeah. unbelievable. Just yeah. yeah. So for uh just for for the stats sake again, Chris, we haven't really talked about Chris, but uh if we look at the numbers here, his average score is second on the list at 87.42. Uh but his yeah. riding percentage 45% is one of the low one of the lower ones on the list. But but average score if you're looking at, you know, on a ride by ride basis, he's second on this list only to Jose. That because they you know what they do? They're both the same size, little yeah. so, sort of built the same, small yeah. but not fragile. Look good but on they, a bull. But they look good on a bull and got the most out of bulls. They picked them up. Bulls perform better under Jose. JB Mooney does the same thing. Jess Lockwood could do the same thing. And Chris Shivers, where they pick up a bull and give them every chance to perform. They're not getting gifted points. Those bulls perform better. Am I right, Clint? That there's yeah. something to that. Yeah, no, there there definitely is something to that for sure. Uh, I, I will say this about Chris's numbers, and I, I don't have his numbers here in front of me. I, I, I think the last couple of years before he retired hurt his overall qualified ride numbers. Uh, True. Stats on that. Just, just, just going. He wanted it so bad. And the only reason I say that, Ted, is when Mike White retired, Chris called me looking for somebody to room with him that last year. And I roomed with Chris Shivers the last year that he was on the PBR tour. Oh, really? And yeah, yeah. And, and uh, it was, man, I'll look back on that year that it was just, I learned so much, not just about who Chris was, uh, but how he thought about life and bull riding and his mentality. And, and he was frustrated with himself but he only knew one way and that was winning. And, 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 you know, he had already knew that his career was, was over and said, yeah, I probably pushed it a little bit too mm. far. Oh, you wow. know? Uh, so, so I will say that a little bit. And I, I was just honored that Chris even would even call and consider so, me to, oh, wow. to room with him that last year. So I gave Sage Kimsey shit last week that, his career riding percentage is going to drop because he's currently bucking off like 16 in a row because he's just got to mount those bulls out to make the NFR. And he said, he said, he said, I don't give a shit. My riding percentage is still going to be more than most of these guys. That's true. Uh, Is that your dog? What's your dog's name? That's my dog. I'm sorry. Coop chill out. So my dog's (laughs) name is JW Coop. You remember the, (laughs) Hey, dude, chill out. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my um, God. So I, I just reorganized the list again, and I kind of like, I kind of, uh, what did I do? I just re, re, like rejigged it a little bit based on different point systems and stuff. Like if I, yeah. if I change the PRC to be weighted differently than the PBR, but then, then I get, this list that shows, you know, if, if it's 200 points for a PBR title and 100 for PRCA, then, then this one, it doesn't like you, like you talk about Flint, it doesn't pass the eye test. Like it doesn't look like it's in the right yeah. order. It weights it. It weights the PRCA titles too heavily. Right. Because you're in a different era. Now you can yeah. weight them. You it's weird because the time frame you need to come up with like starting in 1990, five you weigh it less but up until that point it's weighed more because of you could determine the split 
of when the PRCA or PBR really took off. You know what yeah. I mean? You could wait that different because yeah, Justin McBride's not that far. Justin McBride in my mind is number two or yeah. two or three. Um, yeah. so anyway, that's yeah. So, but so let's just ask the question though. If, uh, so I, I gotta, I gotta wait Sage's titles. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna wait Donnie's at a hundred points each, that's the baseline back in that time. Uh, if then Sage's would be, unfortunately, they're going to be like, you kind of got to make them like 50 or something to wait it. Cause it, is that half as much as previously, you know, in JW, like, is it half as much? And then do we put, you know, the Jim Sharp era, do we make those worth two? 250 or maybe 300 yeah. even because he wrote against right if you wait it that way but um, then you got then, then you, you got, got justin news has got to be worth 300 you know and then you got justin mcbride sitting there who never really pro rodeoed he never you know he, he just was in him, the yeah. pbr so but it's just in the pbr but justin mcbride is an eye test because we watched him you know so yeah so i'm i'm changing it all up here to where the PBR world titles are worth 300 in the, in the, uh, in the modern era, but then that's going to change Silvano to where he's. Yeah. Well, Silvano, your numbers are always going to be good for Silvano. Silvano has trouble passing that eye test because he was never flashy and he went about it in a way that a lot of cowboys and, and purists didn't like. So the, I, when you talk about the eye test, Silvano will never past that because he wasn't popular i always give him shit about you've made a living out of pretending you don't speak english you know silvano didn't care he didn't care if he did tv interviews and clint and i know silvano and we really like silvano but he didn't help himself in the eye test at all ever Fair. and didn't care didn't care so that's a tough one with silvano and that's why he's farther down on my list because I was through the Silvano Alves era and while he was doing it, riding some of the toughest bulls in the world, he didn't pass the eye test to me. It was fr because he pissed us off. <laughs> he bled the clock down. He didn't take rerides. He did everything you weren't supposed to do to pass an eye test. Right, yeah. Clint? Am I right? But on he, that? Right, right. But he won. He won. He won. He won. Yeah. So yeah. if you're going, if you're going that way. Hey, just hey, his his name is on that list and mine isn't. So true. That's true. And I've seen you ride three spot. Nah, three yeah, spot. that's not much yeah. of a qualifier, but I appreciate it. But just to <laughs> just to switch it up again, this one looks a little bit more. But I know in my mind, Silvano Alves is not the greatest bull rider of all time. Statistically, you know, yeah, I, right. you know, I think I have to agree. I think I have to, you know. But then if we're doing that, we weight his world titles a bit yeah. differently. Well, and that's just my, I mean, Ted, you keep doing the numbers and then I'll tell you you're wrong. Yeah. That's I fine. sounded like Cody Lambert right there. Really. Yes. yes. That's you fine. You, you know why you're wrong? Cause you're stupid. Cause you're stupid. <laughs> that's Cody Lambert right there. <laughs> uh, all right. Check this one out quick. You know what would you know what would make that list more accurate? Scroll back oh, down. Shit. You know you could switch two, and I'd be you'd be really close to me if you just switched Silvano Alves and Justin McBride. That'd oh, be yeah. pretty game. That'd be a pretty good list right there. Yeah. If those two switch, uh, there you go. 
Then so people will say Silvano's the greatest or Jose's the greatest bull rider I've ever seen. He might Jose Vitor Lemmy might be the greatest bull rider I've ever seen, but at this point right now, he's not the greatest bull rider of all time. But and you know, you know, my knock on Justin though is that he didn't have a full career. He he kind of did, but he quit early. You he mean he, won you more. mean you mean he didn't keep riding until his body was beat up and going well, to little rodeos all across the country and but but if you look at the numbers, <laughs> like I, I I understand where you're coming from, but Jose is like a ninety yeah. bulls behind McBride. Could you imagine yeah. what we would say about Leme if he quit this season? We would right. say that he could have been the greatest of all time, but he's not because he quit right. too soon. Yeah. And no, I think right. I think for McBride, I understand why everybody puts him up that high, but you can't be the greatest ever if you don't beat everybody long enough because because uh silvano made it made it work that long adriano made it work that long like i can't i don't think i can put but just for but my does, list i can't put adriano ahead of i can't but, put Brian ahead of adriano because adriano won for 12 seasons if if jb mooney would have retired four years ago he'd probably be higher on my list because i think his legacy is being affected by now he, he tells people what happened at the pbr would they piss you off you come rodeo and he says no i just couldn't ride those bulls anymore yeah. You know, so that does that. And, and, so, and, and he was honest about it. Yeah. And there yeah. And, and there can also be a case made in that era when J.B. Mooney, if you remember, that was the draft era mm -hmm. when J.B. Yeah. Mooney and Silvano Alves was was going toe to toe with one another. And J.B. never ducked. Yeah. Like not one time he took the toughest, rankest. SOB that there was on that list. And so I, I'm not disagreeing with what JB, uh, you know, his decisions that he made, but okay, hold on. Let's, let's go, let's go down to this Cheyenne, <laughs> Wyoming on the Wednesday after we got done with the team's event, I was there at the frontier days. If Silvano Alves was riding in the same performance as JB Mooney was riding, and we'd have started uh, a Silvano song. Do you think we'd have gotten any reaction out of those fans that were Not there? Not the same. Not the same. Do you, do you see where I'm coming from? It's like that that eye test, that aura, that narrative. Because every one of these men on this list, even the the top thirty list that was put together, they all have a narrative, and that's that's that eye test that Flint's talking about. JB Mooney's and, and the so JB Mooney's the biggest star. I've ever seen in a live arena in Western sports bull riding he, or right because he never ducked. And there's something that's got to be said for that. Yeah. He, he never backed down from a challenge and it cost him. Now don't get me wrong. It cost him. Silvano is where he is right now because he made the decisions <laughs> that he made in the draft. JB JB's bill came in a lot quicker and a lot faster for the decisions that he made. So how do you quantify that on the list? It's hard to, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and I, I'm, you know, who knows how many more world titles JB could have done if he'd have played the same game plan yeah. that Silvano used. I don't know. Five. But, yeah. And right? took care of himself. Yeah. And there's exterior influences, if you will. Well, yeah. <laughs> this is what go. I say. That's my list. Right? That's it. <laughs> Ted, I, I love it. I love the it's fact great. that you even so considered, great. Yeah, yeah, that you even considered 
me being on here to talk about this. And I, I sure hope we re that we go back and revisit this yeah. in, in the in, in the years coming ahead to see exactly where Lemmy's gonna end up. What Sage Kim's he gonna do? Is yeah, it, where's you know, he gonna end up? Right. <clears throat> that some bitch right. can ride he can ride that guy. Yeah. I, I way underestimated that man's talent. And 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 I went on the record saying it. I yeah, in fact you yeah. know how I am. I you know it is what it is. I, I was wrong about how great that guy was. Ten ten years ago, I was wrong. Yeah, you know. So I think I think I got another one more one more look at it. Sorry. Oh no. Okay. okay, so I got tough Donnie, but then I got Silvano up there, but he won the titles. Oh, Adriano, JB, yeah. Sage, Jim Sharp, Shivers, McBride. Jim Shoulders, Jose, JW. That looks Great. a little closer, but, yeah. but I don't know. How do you how do you rank Tough Edelman's three world titles with based on the points, making them worth six hundred points, and Donnie's eight worth eight hundred? This is where it doesn't check out to me. That's why I'm so confused by this one. It's so okay. hard. It is. It's hard. There's just so many things to quantify that. Right. It's just it's, gotta... it's impossible. The question is impossible. tough. Tough winning in both genres. Yeah. Only got to ever do it. Well, I'm glad we did come up with the fact that Jim Sharp's probably the greatest bull rider of all time, but whatever. I mean, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I don't hey, know. Just, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I hard, hard to disagree. My gosh. Yeah. Good stuff. Good so stuff. Teddy tops. Okay. Uh, so, so Flint says Jim's first. Flint says Jim's first. And <laughs> I, uh, put the list back up there. What? One more time, just to hack, Logan. Just to Logan. Logan's over here going, "Oh my god! Oh um, my gosh!" Yeah. Well, it was a good. It was a fun conversation. I appreciate you guys making it work, taking the time. Um, it's fun. Congrats, morning. Ted. Congrats. Yeah. 150 episodes. Oh, good yeah, job. Yeah. You, Forgot about done that. Well, part. I don't. Hey, uh, I, I should do that. I should say on here because Clint, uh, when Ted was starting this podcast, Ted, you were ahead of the podcast game a little bit. Now everybody's got a podcast, and you were ahead of it. You know, we'd, you'd come on my radio show up at Calgary and talk about it. And I don't know if you remember what my advice to you was, but you said, what do you think? And I said, uh, you got to change the name of it <laughs> because you can't advertise it. You can't, you know, you can't be in a newspaper. You can't you, cowboy shit. You're swearing in the name of your deal. So what you guys did was you did this, which allows you, what you've done is capitalize where you're making your money is merch. Yeah. And absolutely. so you took a podcast, turned it into merchandise, sort of like a Dale Brisby did. So you've done well. You didn't change the name and I'm wearing a cowboy shit t-shirt. So there you go. <laughs> uh, it's there censored. You go. Yeah. It's censored. That's right. That's um, right. Hey, I really appreciate you guys doing this. Sorry. We didn't really Jim answer Sharp. the question. I think we kind Jim of answered Sharp. it. Jim Thanks Sharp. buddy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, and th and if that's what those guys say, but those guys have McBride first, like on the PBR list, they have they all have McBride first. So, but uh, I, but I, I based on the data, I just can't put them number one because well, but uh, that's the the PBR list is PBR uh, though. Yeah, true. PBR. Yeah, they don't have they don't have Donnie on the list at all. No, because he was never in the PBR. Agreed. Yeah, and Jim Sharp never won a world title. So yeah, that was their list of greatest PBR bull riders. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. 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 Anyways, thanks for doing okay. this, guys. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate Always. it. Yeah. Well, I remember what you told me. Said drinking was unholy. So, Lord, can you point me to the creek? 
And I still keep it with me Tucked under all the memories Your voice echoing throughout those trees And through unfavored weather And holes in the leather These boots still covered in tar I'm still praying to the heavens and hoping for them sevens, but hope only gets a man so far. When this game of life plays heavy on my heart, and love is tough, but loneliness is twice as hard, and I'll carry that about everywhere I go. They say pressure makes diamonds. How the hell am I still cold? Well, after all that, I don't know any more than I did before. And I still don't know who the greatest of all time is. Dale Brisby. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Man, so who's your personal favorite? Just if someone said, Ted, who's your, not the best, but who's your favorite bull rider of all time? Oh, man. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like, so we've done these lists different times. Like we did the best steer wrestlers, saddle bronc riders, barrel racers, bull riders all from Canada. And I had this point system that we put together. And for those of you that have listened to some of the shows, you probably, you know, listen, maybe listen to one of those and had your opinions on it or not. Um, But I kind of previously felt like we definitively answered the question pretty easily. That's uh, out the window now. Oh fuck! I just th- <laughs> this one is so I don't know what the hell to do because there's so many different factors and essentially what I realize that we maybe have created now the list like list l- making the people the greatest of all time based on their accomplishments might kind of mean that they're the most accomplished. I think Storm and I were talking to the night and she's like, "Yeah, maybe you're making the list of the most accomplished. Maybe it was Brett Gardner. I, I forget who it was. We, we were talking about this. Yeah." And it's like, if that's your criteria, it's accomplishments, then that's where you're going to get. Yeah. Cause there's, there's hockey players who have won four Stanley cups and you probably don't but, know their name. Yeah. They're not, they Pat, were the Patty fourth Maroon liners. is not one of the best hockey players. No, but he's time. been on a lot of cup winning teams, right? Yeah. So does that make him the best ever? You know, probably not. So it's, uh, it's interesting for sure. You know, you look at that list and, uh, just and at the end of it, list. it may not be, may not be who you think it is. And, and the person beside you could have a completely different list. Um, okay. You know who I think it honestly is though, and should be. And I thought this a while back about, about a previous guy, but uh, I honestly think it should be a guy like Jose Vitor Leme. Um, I think that for that guy to be 98 points. And like, if I look at the stats and see, you know, his average score being 88 points, his highest score at 98.3 and three quarters, his riding percentage 62%. Technically, based on those stats, he would be the best bull rider ever. Yeah. But he's he's only halfway through his career. If you look at a guy like Silvano or Adriano or JB or Sage Kimsey, like all these guys, they're already way further along. He's still early yeah. on. And so he- I think I think he I think Jose should and will be the greatest ever. Um, I, I, I can agree with Clint and Clinton with, with them saying Jim Sharp, like 
just based on what I can find, um, I've got Jim at like the best I could do for him here, I think was number seven. Yeah. And I've, I've messed with these numbers like so many different times. I think tough Hedeman is up there top five. Um, but Jim, just based on the stats we have, like we only have, we have 350 outs on it. And I know it's just his PBR outs, but like if you're the greatest of all time, even if that's the snippet of the career that we have, like, I don't know. I just have a hard time. I just, it. I just seen when a Donnie post. Gay won seven times on yeah. the world, seven times. I seen a post Eight times, right after you recorded. And I think it was maybe like Cody Custer. Someone shared it on Facebook. Yeah. And it said something about Jim Shark being the greatest ball rider of all time. Yeah. Well, cause the PBR made a list and Jim was number two. Yeah. Number one, they had, uh, just McBride. Right. And McBride based on here, based on, based on this, I have him down like number nine, essentially, but I have Lemme on this point system as like 11. And this one isn't quite right because I tried to weight the numbers differently and everything. And like, it just doesn't, I'm not happy with, with how the list is. Like, even after all of this, I still don't have it proper. Do you think Adriano would be higher if he didn't come in as like the first Brazilian to have to fight through the judges at the PBR level? Because uh-huh. you hear that talked about how he had a, he didn't have the easiest path. Well, we kind of talked about that a little bit and the feeling was no with, uh, that's interesting. With uh, uh, because and then if you go to two like the bullpower now, I think is, you know, could you say ten times harder? Yeah. Than it was. Well, like, like should the world championship now be worth a thousand points instead of Donnie? Like, yeah. still, it's still technically bull riding, but how much different is it now? Yeah. Well, like, I've I've been a know, fan of bull riding and watching hard. That bull riding that I can remember for twenty five years now that I can you know remember, mm-hmm. and the best bull rides that I can ever remember seeing. Have been in the last couple of years. Yeah, and that's not saying oh you know it gets, but you know it's top of mind. No, yeah. ho- um, Lemme's bull rides in the last couple of years, and and a couple of JBs have been the best bull rides I've ever seen. In the and the scores the reflected against the rankest yeah. bulls you've ever seen. Justin McBride, Chris Shivers at the time rode the rankest ones. Yeah, but like so that was the difference between JB and Silvano. One thing we never really got to in the show, but we should have got to was that Silvano. You know, looking at the stats here. I can't justify Silvano being the greatest ever because his average score is only 84 points. So if he's a great bull rider, his average score every time should be as high as possible. Yeah. His highest score ever was 92 and a half, which is the lowest one on this entire list. Yeah. His career riding percentage is 46.96. So he stayed on half his bulls and his average score. Yeah. Less than half. He's 20% lower than the number one guy on the list. Rides 20% less bulls. And I know we only have 63 records on hand for Tough Hedeman, but these are all at the top level at the PBR, the NFR, and he rode 66%. So, so how many times would other guys in this list beat him? Take well, take a re-ride. Well, and these guys would keep scores. The re-ride thing is, that, is, is almost that, irrelevant. Is it okay? My my point with with my point with Silvano, if you're just going, if you're going to say who's the best ever between Silvano and you know, if you're comparing in this whole list, Silvano versus Donnie, Donnie Gates, Donnie's wins. better. Silvano versus Tough. Like tough wins. Silvano's probably last on this list because he didn't have the biggest moments and he never took the rankest bulls to be a hundred points like JB did. JB and Sage and Jim Sharp, probably Chris Shivers, Justin McBride, Jose, Donnie Gay, Tough Heatman. Like these guys all rode the rankest bulls at the time. Yeah. Where Silvano never really 
you know, he rode asteroid, but he cut it, you know, pulled his rope into him. And like, no offense to Lovano, he's a three-time world champion. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nothing, taking nothing away from the guy. But you're right. JB would pick the rankest bull in the pen every night. And he had the most highlights. And he and he rode the toughest bulls. And if you look at his average, I think he's up over 86. Yeah, yeah. 86 and a half. So two and a half points higher. And his riding percentage is 5% higher. So, and his highest score, 95 and 0.25. But he probably had 30 scores higher than Silvano's making me think like, yeah, if you're going to match them 10 bulls together, Silvano might ride. Well, no, based on the stats, JB's probably going to ride more and be scored higher. Well, that's how, and that's so, how Silvano beat, beat him that year for one of those world titles. Yeah. JB, right? But by more rides, but that was the way the system was set up to how they were making their world champion yeah. at the time was based on that system. He was playing by the rules, same yeah. way Donnie did. Donnie went to 150 rodeos, maybe flying his plane around, going to, to him all the way the world. Than guys, yeah. So then he could afford to do it. So, yeah. So if we're doing five <laughs> accomplishments, right? Like it makes it tough. So yeah. these are definitively very, very accomplished bull riders. Yeah. All of them on there. Yeah. Where they fall on the list in order of yeah, order, whatever is yeah. of, of who he thinks the best is tough. But I, I think that stuff like this is so great for conversation. Oh, hundred percent. Because you could sit around with, with, you can sit around with generations of bull riders mm-hmm. and have this argument and it's 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 going to be like figuring out oh yeah but etern- what eternity means it's like oh, you're yeah. never going to figure it out i think that i have a tough time and i know just was just mcbride was one of the greatest ever 100% um i have a hard time putting justin down as the greatest ever when he didn't have a full career he quit early. He quit in his prime. How many more times could he have won the world? Yeah. That's my one hold up with McBride. That's the only knock I got on that guy. Yeah. He he has as many outs now as uh as Lemme has, which is kind of crazy. 661. Lemme has 571. Yeah, that's crazy. That's like half a season essentially based on the numbers right now. So if they have McBride first, then they technically could have Lemme first on the, on the PBR list for and, based on number of outs. Yeah, based on like the An length of a career and yeah. hi- like hypothetically. So, um, and I never saw Jim Sharp ride, but I saw videos of him. And for me, I still don't see that muscly riding pos- position outmatching a guy like Jose or McBride or Shivers, even honestly, Kimsey, Mooney. Like, Kimsey rides so technically perfect. He's got to be the best technical. Probably right. right? Like there could be there could be a few different things a guy does here, you know, to like make this list. But I think this top twelve list is pretty damn close on who should be on it. But a matter of order, like that's going to be a little more work. That's for that's for the listeners when you're done listening to this. Yeah, how would you do it? Submit submit what you think your picks would be, and And, sit around with your buddies at a rodeo and see see what you come up with. And let's collectively figure out a ranking system (laughs) that we can make it. A little, a little objective. We may uh, be in episode three hundred before we figure before this we out. figure this out. Yeah, but it was a hell of a conversation. Uh, I appreciate Flint and Clint uh, uh, taking the time last week. Sometime I don't even know what day it was. It was like first. It was bright and early, man. Yeah, it, it was like eight, eight o'clock in the morning. In the morning. Yeah. It was coffee time with those guys. Yeah. So yeah, enjoyed the shit out of it. Uh, hell of a visit. I think we got our top twelve list down, um, but don't know the order. But uh, I'll work on it some more <laughs> folks. You work on it a little bit too. And come so episode 300, we promise we'll we have might it figure down. it out in another five and a half. We will years. make the announcement who the greatest bull rider of all time is. Yeah. Okay. Dustin, have a good weekend out there. Yeah. You too.
once again, this is Cowboy Shit. My name is Ted Stoven. He's Dustin Edwards. And we uh, are headed to Dallas in the morning. Check out the new stuff. Texas. Send me a note. Um, yeah, I'm, I got to go to bed. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Good night, all. I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay, so I can sit out here and waste my life away, drag back home and drown my troubles away. It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me, people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is.